What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. It is that time of year, that kind of season. We are joined today by Ryan, who is at Sports Card News on Twitter. He is in Atlantic City at this year's National Sports Collectors Convention. How's it going, Ryan? Pretty good. Another year. Another year. Uh, so are you at the casino right now? Where are you? What kind of uh, living environment you've been putting yourself up in? I'm staying at the Tropicana, which is probably about a mile or so, uh, a little closer maybe to the Atlantic City Convention Center where the Nationals going on. It's a pretty nice casino. Maybe it got roughed up during Hurricane Sandy, so they renovated it. Uh, it it's pretty nice inside. I'd give it a, maybe like a, a three-star quality maybe. Hey, three stars better than uh, some of the other places I've seen the national uh, trudge off to. But uh, let's talk about, I know that you're, you're two days in. I think the first day is kind of like a VIP or early opening, uh, hardcore kind of guy, I believe. Today, you have a little bit more of uh, maybe kind of the general public fl- uh, flooding through the gates. Talk to us a little bit about kind of the scene on the show floor. Uh, very much like the, uh, the the last five nationals that I've been to, um, I would say the attendance here is right on par with what I saw last year in Chicago. A, a lot of people in there today, and I don't think anybody should really take that for granted because um, I guarantee you there'll be a year where I'll come to one of these and it'll be Cricket's Convention, you know, part two. So a lot of people, um, I would say it's mostly, you know, the, the older demographic and they're looking for singles and they're looking for kind of unique collectible items. I wouldn't say there's a whole bunch of people clamming around DA car world and blowout and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, unless it's to get something for the rapper redemption at Panini or tops or um, something like that, some kind of incentive, incentive buy. So it's a lot of just old school collectors in here looking to buy stuff, having fun. Um, I, you know, if you really want to know about the national, you should come or you should watch the our videos on YouTube and um, check it out really for yourself. I think the best thing is hopefully, uh, you know, if you're out there, you'll be able to make it uh, for yourself. Next year, it's in Chicago, which is one of kind of the staple venues. Um, you know, you Talk really should a little of, bit about how much of the cost, you know, like you flying out there. Well, uh, you know, talk to us a little bit for the guy that might want to go by himself or whatever one year. Okay. What what kind of cost is he looking at? Well, let's see. I'll try to break down everything that I spent. Um, I flew to Las Vegas first. Um, it's very hard for me from California to get a, uh, uh, you can't get a direct flight to Atlantic city. You can't even, it's hard to get a direct flight to Philadelphia. Uh, so for me, I flew to Las Vegas. That would have been about a hundred dollars. Um, I won $30 in Vegas, and then I flew Spirit Airlines is the only airline that connects to Atlantic City, and I flew that um, into Detroit and then on to Atlantic City um, after I spent a little time in Vegas. Um, so that flight probably cost me about 250 maybe. I don't, I don't, I don't 200 250 Maybe you can get a little cheaper. Maybe it's a little more. Um, and then the hotels for, let's see, every night here, I think if you, what you want to do every time you go to the national is they always have some corporate, uh, deal on the hotels on their website that I've always found it to be a pretty good deal. Um, especially if rates go up, sometimes you can still go to their website and get some last minute, uh, corporate specials. So I think I'm averaging maybe about 130 a night 
maybe here, and that might be about right, 150 a night. So for another five nights, that's going to cost you what, 700 bucks. I'm already up over a thousand just in hotels and flights. And then obviously it depends on your budget for the show, how much you're going to spend food wise. You're looking at 2000, uh, you know, 1500, 2000 without even really buying much probably at the show. So, you know, this is, that's why, that's why this is a high roller show, the old man show, you know what I mean? Because those are the guys who have disposable income. Those are the guys who can afford to make trips like that. Um, I don't know if I'm quite on these old guys level, but this is my fifth year in a row. I've paid my own way every time and, uh, never had to, you know, we don't have any sponsors or, you know what I mean? So, um, I could definitely understand people with families and stuff. And especially if you live on the West coast, I cannot believe there, I cannot believe the show is here and they don't do it in Vegas and they don't do it in uh, San Diego or Sacramento or Reno or it's boggles my mind. Literally Texas boggles my mind, um, that I'm even here. Uh, nothing against Atlantic city, but it's a nice area. I think anybody who says it's ghetto here probably has never really seen a real ghetto to be honest. But, um, it's perfectly fine here, uh, or they probably grew up in a white neighborhood. That's the only thing I can think of it. Yeah, it's a little low income, and maybe some things happen, but it's definitely not ghetto here, but it's super hard to get here. Um, and like I've been to Vegas seven times already this year in 2016 alone. I have to count that up for my taxes. So it's hard for someone like me who's been to Vegas seven times already this year alone you know, and you know how we go to Vegas. I mean, we don't stay at the Tropicana. I mean, we stay at, huh. you know, the Aria, the Vardara or something nice, you know. So it's hard for me to roll in here and really get excited about gambling or, you know, people are like, hey, did you go hit the tables? It's like, it's like uh, this, you know, not really. I mean, it doesn't really excite me. So I'm probably a little jaded. It's my fifth year. When I, I, I just walking around the show floor, I'm, I'm like, man, I've seen some of this stuff before. It would really excite me if this was my first time. Um, and not to say that I'm not enjoying myself, but I could see how, if you keep coming, the more kind of jaded you get, the more, you know, the more it would take to really get you excited. And I find that as I'm browsing the show floor, it takes a lot for me to get excited about an item or, uh, something that I'm looking at because I've seen every, you know, I've seen when you come to the show, you see so much and you see, you know, high dollar cards and rare cards and stuff, you know, one of a kind stuff. So. Um, but the show really hasn't disappointed. I don't want to like, you know, pour cold water on anything. The show hasn't disappointed. It's a great show. I can't believe how many people that boggles me my mind, how many people are in there. And I don't think people, I think people are taking it for granted because I guarantee you it hasn't always been this way. And I guarantee you it won't always be this way. So I, I hope people are really putting their best foot forward. Um, you know, some of these companies really need some fanboys, and I mean that with all sincerity. Uh, they really need, you know, to uh, really build a following similar to, you know, some companies do have PSA, uh, Tops, uh, BGS, uh, you know, Upper Deck has fanboys. Um, so need that loyal following, and this is, this is really where you can capitalize here because these are the guys out here – you know, these are the dedicated. If you come to this, you're probably pretty dedicated, especially if you're a VIP. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially if yeah. you're a VIP. So um, I'm very impressed with the turnout, though. Extremely impressed. 
you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but I guarantee you I would have been way under if they would have asked me to guess because I walked in there today. I think I was matter of fact, I was about, we were finishing up a conversation. I was like, holy crap, there's a lot of people here and it's only Thursday. So I've had a couple of people told me that it might actually cool off on the weekend in terms of attendance. Um, but I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know what to expect. It wouldn't surprise me if, if the next few days are really good and there's a good attendance and, um, you know, anybody that says there's a lot of kids here are, you know, I don't, I don't know what world they're living in. It's, it's older white men, middle-aged to older. I'm one of the youngest bucks here. I feel really young when I'm walking around. It feels great. Um, if you ever want to feel young again and you're under 40, if you're under 50, you should come to the national It'll re- reinvigorate you. But, um, I don't know. It's fun. It, for me, it's fun. I think I'm getting a little jaded at this point because I've been to so many and I go to other card shows. Um, so it is, it isn't quite that level of excitement that maybe I got the first time or the first couple times. But, uh, I mean, there's no, I mean, I'll go next year. So, uh, for sure, and any and probably for the foreseeable future, as long as you know I can afford it. So, um. well, um, one way you might be able to afford that, uh, I guess you stopped by the check out my cards booth and talked to Tim, who happens to be the man uh, that runs a lot of the operations over at Check Out My Cards. Tell us about uh, maybe some of your conversations with him. I always have a. You know, we talk about this every year. So I have a great conversation with him, and he's incredibly intelligent. And I've been to five nationals. I talk to all sorts of people. There's nobody even on his level of what he's able to do, what he's trying to do. I I, I even overhear people talk crap about checking my cards, and I just look at these people that are talking crap, and these people don't have one one hundredth the skill set that Tim does. So any of you guys out there who are trying to compete with check out my cards, you guys are fools, absolute fools. You do not have the skill set that this man does. He's coding. He's working on stuff that you guys have no freaking clue about period. End of story. Anyway, so we discussed and, um, first thing I'll try to just recount he ta- you know, he talks, and I should have I should have recorded or something because he's he's you know. He'll sh- he'll share a lot of information. Anybody that wants to know anything about the, don't think that me and you have some kind of insight or you know what I mean, like special treatment. Anybody can call this man or, or go to the national and talk to him yourself. So I encourage uh, I encourage everybody to do that. Anyways, the first thing I asked him was was about trading because I've spent a lot of time on upper deck epac and the trading is i think revolutionary and um, could potentially really change the hobby um and he seems very open to the idea and it seems like he's actually preliminary worked on some coding and some like how it all work he describes it to me as this is that if you went to my account and you picked out say five dollars worth of cards you could either pay for that five dollars like you normally would or what you would do is um you could send me like an open in an offer that I could then come back and pick out, you know, $5 worth of cards or some cards. And then we can work on some kind of 
uh, deal that way. The same way it works on Upper Deck EPAC. I know a lot of people probably haven't even tried it. Um, but so it's there's there's a very distinct possibility. I don't think anytime this year, but possibly in 2017, you'll be able to actually trade cards on Check On My Cards instead of actually buy them. I will probably continue to keep pressuring him to do this um, because I've seen how cool and how um, impactful the trading has become on Upper Deck EPAC. So first question out of the way, I asked him about trading. It looks like that's going to happen. Second question was, or we talked a lot about, obviously, the eBay partnership. So I asked him, should we talk about EPAC first or eBay? Uh, talk about eBay first. Okay, so eBay. So I asked him just how it started. Like, how did the relationship with eBay even start? Um, they were at the Industry Summit, both of them, the Las Vegas Industry Summit, which gets held every year. I think it's like February, March and stuff. I've been banned from actually going to the Industry Summit. Um, but Check Out My Cards isn't, and uh, eBay isn't. And so they connected at the Industry Summit in Hawaii this last year. And the way he put it to me was eBay goes through constant turnover of employees and middle management and upper management and probably even CEOs and stuff. I'd have to go back and look at that. But he said there was a recent change in employment status by over at eBay by some of the key collectibles people. And I don't know if he approached that. I, no, eBay knows all about check my cards. They'd even heard about EPAC and the success of that. Um, so the the new people at eBay were quite familiar with checking my cards and really admired it. And it, it, it didn't take long for the deal. To, like I said, it just happened actually at the 2016 industry summit, I believe. So it's very quickly that they were able to um, move on this. There was some background that eBay had to do on checking my cards as far as their customer service and financial stuff and all this kind of different stuff. But uh, eBay moved pretty quickly and, um, was very open to the idea to get all that inventory, all that check on my cards inventory onto eBay. And um, I think that's the way eBay's moving. I don't know if a lot of people know that. Um, I spend a lot of time on an eBay owned site, StubHub. And one of the things that eBay has done recently with StubHub is I think they're trying to make that like an ambiguous platform where you may be on Vivid Seats, you may be on Ticketmaster Exchange and buy tickets on those sites, but you're actually technically buying something that was originally listed on StubHub. And I think that's very exciting. And you can see that's a very similar thing what Checker My Cards is trying to do and what and I think in the long run what eBay is trying to do. I could actually see a scenario where at some point all the inventory on eBay will actually be on Amazon as well. Um, I think eBay also wants to develop more like white label stuff where you could implement your auctions onto some kind of um, website of your own and integrate that. Uh, I, I listened to a really long talk by the CEO of eBay and, and he talked about this and he talked about it actually more to the StubHub angle. That's why I was listening to it because I use StubHub a lot. Um, but it's really interesting. So that, that partnership, eBay and Check My Cards, really materialized very quickly. And um, it's a really awesome thing. So um, what, it, what it has done, though, for Check Out My Cards is it has, um, you know, really upped the workload. He's, he's recently hired 30 people. He's moved uh, warehouses. And you've been to his warehouse, so you know how arduous that must have been. 
that process, he's had to move his warehouse closer to where he could hire people for what he needs. He needs kind of pack and ship warehouse type people. So he moved closer to a Amazon distribution. Uh, there was a couple other like just huge big players in the in that space. He moved his he moved a lot of his inventory um, down there so that he could tap into that um, market. As as you've pointed out on your show, his where he had his cards stored originally and his headquarters was in a really kind of high end place in uh, Washington where Microsoft and like big shots where, you know, it was hard to find that person that was maybe, and I, don't, I don't know what he pays, but it was hard to find that person that made 10 to $15 an hour. Right. You know what I mean? To come and pack and ship cards. So it was beautiful. I mean, it right. was out, the area was, was pristine in terms of having, uh, I mean, you could just, tell there was a lot of old microsoft money that had flowed through the area that's what i the sense i had gotten right so he's he's had to change his whole strategy almost in regards to that because um this ebay thing is really like 100 percent increased this the sales on the site um you you provided some data that showed he was like the fourth biggest seller on ebay and trust me he hasn't even pressed the go button on this thing yet he doesn't have all the cards listed, and we'll talk about that, how that's going to work. But uh, this is very much the beta. He called, he, you know, he described it as that beta beginning, very beginning stages of what hopefully will be a very good partnership for them. And ultimately, all you people out there who have cards on there are trying to sell cards, flip cards, whatever it is. Hopefully this all really works out for you. Um Okay, so that's how the partnership started. It's again, it's really impacting him. He can't just turn the button and put every single card on the site, unless you want, unless you, you and fifty of your buddies want to go pack and ship cards all day. He can't do that. He needs to hire people. He needs to figure out how it all works. He needs to figure out, um, you know, how much it's costing him in terms of labor, time, you know, everything. So it's a really, and I don't think people really understand that. They think it's like Tim, he, he gets an order and he he goes and, and packs and ships it. Guys, he has 70 people working for him. 70 people. Okay, and I don't know what the square footage on his new warehouse, but I guarantee you it's gigantic. Gigantic. These cards are not in somebody's closet. Okay, uh, this is, you know, temperature controlled. Everything's legit, guys. Um, again, this is why this is my fifth year at the national. I ta I've talked to countless number of people. Okay, guys, there's a reason why we're hyping this website. There's a reason why we're telling you guys, this is the way you need to be moving. Um, cause he really has his stuff together and there's nobody else in this industry that I could, that I could point to that be like, yeah, they're making this kind of investment. They've hired 30 people recently. They hundred x their hundred uh, percent x their sales by turning it on the eBay partnership. There's nobody even close, guys. It's nobody even close. Um, so right now, only a portion of the stuff that's on check on my cards is listed onto eBay. If you've ever sold on eBay, which I haven't, I haven't sold on years. I know you had to do a couple months worth of selling just for kind of a research project, and it was probably a nightmare for you. Um, it was a nightmare. It was an, I think I even sent you like 300 bucks just cause I felt sorry for you. Um, so it, I could have been 3000 and wouldn't have been enough. 
Yeah, no kidding. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't pay me. You guys who grind on eBay, I don't know whether to tip my hat or be like, you guys are the biggest idiots in the world. Like, make it, guys, making money on eBay, it's not 1999 again, guys. That It's over. It's over. The only guys who, like, make money on eBay, the consignment guys. That's why pre-war car collector or Probstein and, and check out my cards. <laughs> Uh, those are the guys who are going to do the biggest sales. You rip and flippers, you box breakers. Guarantee none of you make six figures. Guar- not not sales. I know you guys you know claim you do multi-million dollars a show. Show me your tax returns that you make six figures, and I'll show you mine. So we'll go from there. Anyways, so guys, not everything's listed on eBay right now from Check Out My Cards. Every If you sell on eBay, and apparently this is how it works, You've got to price stuff at a minimum price, 99 cent. You can't price stuff at a penny unless it's an auction, right? If you want to start an auction, one penny. No, no. Everything's 99 cents now. Oh. No price under wow. 99 cents. I think it was to kick out, um, obviously, listing it at a penny and charging 299 Basically, I mean, they were still getting you on the shipping. I think eBay's trying to go free shipping, you know, like right. the free shipping just works it sells more it, it it creates more of a happy environment even if it, that's not a, as good a discount as something else offered but it, it's it, yeah everything has to be 99 cents or up uh at least maybe in that category maybe there's other categories on ebay but um when i was listening on ebay listing on ebay that was one of the bigger changes was you couldn't start a card at a penny you had to start it at 99 cents i believe um so yeah no one cent cards okay so now to make this simple um in order if you have a card on check out my cards in order to get listed on ebay right now you would need to price that card at 75 cents on check out my cards okay because what check out my cards does is tack on an extra quarter per card so that'll bring up your 75 cent card to a dollar and then it will be listed on eBay. And a lot of you have probably noticed that um, and, and, and hopefully you've been selling some cards that way. I know I have. Um, so, but his ultimate goal and what he's going to do is have every card listed onto eBay from Check Out My Card. So how is he going to do that? So what his plan is, and he's Tim himself is working on the code. That's why, I'm, you know, you fringe sellers who think you're going to take over the world Selling cards, you're not, because you can't do this. What he's setting up is, so every card on Check Out My Cards that is priced 74 cents and under, that wouldn't be normally listed on eBay, he's going to group together into one eBay listing. So let's say it's a 1992 Topps Michael Jordan card, and there's 10, 10 of them on Check Out My Cards that are priced under 74 cents. All those are going to get grouped together into one lot onto eBay, and so if you go to that eBay listing, it'll say 1992 Michael Jordan tops, one to ten quantity, one to ten, uh, ninety nine cents or a dollar each. Okay. Um, so if you click to buy one of those cards, the card that is the lowest price on Check Out My Card. So if somebody has their price at ten cents, it it would that person's would be the first one to sell on eBay. Okay, you following me? Yes, I'm following this. Yeah. Okay, so that'll be the first one to sell. Um, if that one sells, um, then obviously the next lowest price one on check out my cards will sell. Now, here's the here's the hang up, and I know this is going to get everybody's. This is probably uh, 
you know, put a hair up people's butts. You say, well, wait a sec, who gets the extra money? If I have my card priced on 10 cents and it sells on check out my card slash eBay for $1, who gets that extra money? Even after all the fees are taken out, you should get more than, I guess, technically 10 cents. Uh, check out my cards is going to keep that money, or at least that's the that's how it's going to work now or in, in beta. That check out my cards will keep that spread, that extra money. It's going to be... I don't know, 40 cents after all the fees. I don't really know. Um, so, uh, somebody like me who has 30,000 cards, I'm not going to stress over, I have these cards priced at 10 cents. I have these cards priced at 75 cents. I'm going to try to probably try to balance out my inventory. Some of you guys who are only dealing with a few hundred cards and can like reprice your cards in 10 minutes, you know, it would take me a year to reprice all my cards. But if you only have a few hundred cards, it might not take you that long. So you can mess with your prices a lot more. Um, my advice or what I would do is let's say if I had a thousand cards that I could reprice easily, I'd probably try to get them as close to 75 cents as possible to be perfectly honest. One, I get my own listing on eBay. Okay. That's a very underrated thing on eBay. That's what helps kind of, um, keep prices, kind of uh from from dropping as much on you i know people think it's like a race to the bottom on ebay but it's a really a race to the bottom on check out my cards because everything's under one listing you know the 1992 michael jordan card that's just one listing if you type in 1992 tops michael jordan onto ebay you're going to get all kinds of stuff and every single listing is going to have its own little thing so you might even when you're searching you might even miss the cheapest one and you might buy one that's more expensive um so for me if you have an inventory on check my cards right now, as crazy as it sounds, I'd probably be raising my prices um, to get to as close to 75 cents as possible and to try to hit that number um, because I've had cards that have sold through check my cards onto eBay that weren't the lowest price on check my cards and they weren't the lowest price on eBay for whatever reason that the buyer got to my listing before the person who was lowest price. So again, this is, um, so wait, I have to talk more about th this is more uh, all in the context of the conversation that I'm having with Tim here. Um, so well, that's, I have, I have okay. just one thought. I have a thought on the, the, that thought process where I have a card on check on my cards. I price it for 10 cents and it sells on eBay and check on my cards credits me that 10 cents. I, th for me, I think the philosophy that's going to go through a lot of sellers' minds, including my own. It's it's not that I'm going to be, um, you know, upset or or have a problem with check out my cards collecting the difference there. It's that wait a second, I just had a card listed for ten cents on this site that sold through another channel for ninety nine cents. Why you know why don't I just raise my price? Um, and right. obviously, there's some kind of equilibrium price there as well. Um, if I price it at 75 cents and it sells on eBay, I'll get charged 20 cents. And so I'll collect 60 cents. So uh, what I'm wondering is, say I have a card uh, at 25 cents. Should I, at, you know, at what point should I just raise my price up to about that, you know, maybe 50 or 60 cent price point to where I'll be maybe the lowest on checkout my cards 
so it'll sell on Check Out My Cards. I'll be the lowest then on eBay, too, in the group listing, and I'll collect 100% of that payment. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think a lot of these things are going to go through seller's heads. Certainly uh, people with tens of thousands of cards and were kind of uh, competing on that lowest price. I think people that weren't competing on that lowest price, which is a lot of the, the largest sellers or largest holders of cards on Check Out My Cards, aren't competing on the lowest price, aren't in there changing their price, uh, likely because they, they've probably talked to the, the owner of this and kind of the, the person kind of steering the ship and have realized, you know, worrying about one quarter or one minor change or a change here. Check on my cards has changed constantly. And so um, this is one change. And in my opinion, I just I just see this change driving prices up on the low end. I don't see why you would want to price a card below four or five cents, six cents, seven cents, eight cents. I remember before this Upper Deck EPAC stuff, the lowest price was in that seven to eight cent range, if I recall. And then Upper Deck yep. EPAC came on. I can understand that puts some downward pressure on prices. So I'm not complaining about the prices being low, but I'm just thinking about the incentive of selling a card that cheap in the future, whether or not it'll sell for 25 cents, 30 cents probably remains to be seen. But I think the incentive to price it that low becomes less and less as these fees kind of change and the channels in which you can kind of sell your cards change and as buyer more buyers and more people come aware of check on my cards and maybe come directly to the site um, could change a lot of the buying habits of people going forward and, and certainly could um, could bring in some large buyers could bring in some guys that that kind of see the opportunity I'm talking about and um, don't mind turning you know, pennies into nickels or, or, or something like that. But those are my thoughts that immediately went through my head um, under that kind of system is this is going to cause uh, price inflation for a number of different reasons. People not wanting to give, you know, let check on my cards, realize these profits. Um, as, as soon as the people as stories of these cards, trust me, I'll be the first one on here telling everybody I sold a off an eight cent card on eBay for 99 cents. Um, so, um, I think it'll inflate prices, um, but there's always a balance with things. So I'm always I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what happens. But it certainly triggered triggered buying uh, certain kinds of cards um, on the site, uh, at least for me today. And so going forward, I don't. Uh, we talked to Tim and I talked about this. I, he doesn't anticipate any kind of drastic fee changes in. in the rest of 2016 but there are going to be some fee changes anyone that sells on ebay knows that you get a certain amount of listings free per month i believe everybody does but then you know if you have a store you're charged a certain rate if you're doing this you're charged a certain rate um so eventually to have your cards listed you know on check on my cards onto ebay that's going to cost something okay and so I hope this sinks in with people that right now it doesn't. Okay, so this is why there's a little sense of urgency. Um, if you want to make some dough here in the next four months on Check Out My Cards and, and really take advantage of kind of their beta testing, I would go, go, go now. Because and this is the best four months of the – this is Q4. So if you're going to go, 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 
it, it should be in Q4 of you know the year because I think you can look at your sales stats. Everybody can look at their sales stats on checking my cards. It really goes strong all the way to Q4, all the way into January because you have the beginning of baseball kind of kick, not baseball season, but baseball cards kind of kick off late January. So, um, cool stuff happens even after Christmas. People get a bunch of money. So, if you're gonna want to do a quick flip, why, like Ryan says, you're basically being allowed to flip on eBay right now for free. You're going to pay eBay fees either way, whether it's through checking my cards or through uh, on eBay. But to be able to flip the cards right now for literally free um, is is pretty cool. So I think it's worth taking advantage of, that's for sure. The way he described it to me was uh, everybody who uses check out my cards knows, uh, knows this. Um, you're charged a one cent storage fee for every card you have priced for sale above 75 cents. So I have 30,000 cards every like last month. I think I got charged $4 and 50 cents, which means out of my 30,000 cards, I have 450 that are priced above 75 cents. So obviously I'm playing the low end game a lot. Um, and I do not have to get charged a lot of storage fees. But the way he described it to me was if to, in order to get stuff listed on eBay, he might have to charge something like a penny a month to have your card listed on eBay. Okay, so when when this new fee structure comes out, and I don't anticipate anything until 2017, but when this new fee structure comes out, it's going to change everything. That's... that's my, if, change everything from right now the current state is is that you should have been buying cards yesterday and you really should have been buying cards in 2011 when i started and was selling 1500 dollars worth of stuff a month on that site um i just think no matter what happens with the fee changes buying cards already on the site is always going to the price of those cards is, is naturally going to inflate because one day, I don't know what his submission fees are because we don't really su submit him any cards. I think it's a dollar a card or like about 25 cents a card, somewhere in that range, depending on how fast you want it. Well, one day it's going to go to a dollar 25 a card and to 30 cents a card or 35 cents a card. The minute that day happens, it, it doesn't snap. Uh, you know, all the cards go up in value at that time, but um, it does inflate the value of what's on there if it, if it automatically costs 10, 20 percent more to put the card on there. So I think no matter what, I think the attitude to have is it's a new channel, not only for sports cards. There's nothing like this for coins. There's nothing like this for comic books. And right. so it's a new channel. A lot of guys are doing this exact same thing with Amazon. They're buying Craftsman's tools on clearance and then shipping them to Amazon and flipping them essentially that way. There's a lot of guys buying uh, you know, blankets over in China, having shipped over and put in Amazon warehouses and selling them. There's guys doing it like that, but trust me, they're working way too hard. Um, if you could just buy uh, you know, mattresses with a, a mouse click and flip them, that would be pretty cool, and you essentially do that with, with trading cards right now. So I, I think the attitude, at least for me, the attitude is, is the fees are going to change, but that is good for, for savvy businessmen, for savvy people on their feet, savvy people that recognize that or kind of go into this with that attitude. 
those are going to be the guys that benefit. The guys that bang out emails or bang out tweets complaining about it, those are the guys that are that they're going to be broke. That you know, you don't make money tweeting at customer service. You don't make money uh, complaining about fees that go up. Everybody's fees go up. So for me, I'd love to see fees go up. I'd love to fee- see fees change. It might cause a bunch of people to dump off cards. And so that's my, my long-winded point is take advantage. Look to take advantage of these things. Um, if people get all upset about fees, they might be dumping their cards. And for me, I'll, I'll be on there. Uh, you'll have to be battling me and Ryan uh, to be buying all their inventory that they're dumping off. So those are the kind of things I think um, – I'm thinking about, I, I know that there's sellers and people that are far even more experienced and devote more time to check on my cards uh, than we do. Um, but those are the kind of things I'd be thinking about going forward in terms of, I think people see fee changes and stuff like that and they get scared. For me, that always creates opportunity. And uh, I think everybody should have, I'm not saying that to you know give you the, the politician spin on it. I'm telling you, that's what a, a business person, oh, that's your attitude should be always with business. If you're an affiliate marketer, that should be your attitude. If you're a box breaker, that should be your attitude. Um, everybody should have that attitude uh, if you're in business. So that's just my my little point on the fees. I know that there, there'll definitely be pushback on that. There'll be people that complain about it. Uh, my advice is to to put your car in the other lane and look for the opportunity that comes uh, when those kind of things happen. For sure. And another thing I want to point out is that right now, if you go to the what it's like in your profile on options and like seller preferences or something, you can turn on the Amazon eBay cross promotion. He will come up with a way so that you can it's not an all or right now it's all or none. You either put all your inventory on Amazon and eBay or you put none of it. And he will change that so that if you don't want a certain uh, certain items listed. And obviously if you're getting charged, uh, you know, some kind of fees, um, you may not like somebody like me maybe doesn't want 30,000 cards listed for sale that I'm paying one penny a month for. That would be, you know, $300. Um, I don't even do $300 in sales some months. Um, I know I could, if I really, I don't, I, I, I don't have that much time to devote to it. Um, like you said, I mean, um, there, there are people who have bigger accounts and who I'd love to talk to, uh, email, uh, email us. If you, ha- if you do, you know, a thousand a month or more in sales, uh, and I, we'd love to hear your perspective because, um, I, I can spend, you know, 10, 20 minutes on it a day. Actually, well, starting next week, I won't, uh, it'll be zero. I mean, cards will be zero, um, starting next week for me. I have a lot of work to do. I knew you do too. So, um, Sorry to be Debbie Downer, but you know this might be the last podcast uh, for a little while. I know how how rough it was for oh, me please. last year. I mean, about. I got I got time to do the podcast. I don't know if you know, like like you said, I got five ten minutes. That's what people. I don't know if people get that perspective, but um, you know, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to phrase this um, as politely as I can. I, you know, as I travel the world, I realize out here in California, we're on a different speed, uh, especially out here in Northern California, where you have uh, innovation happening at a lightning speed. You have Uber created out here, Facebook, Google. Uh, those, are, those are old. Like Google's <laughs> old. Facebook's old. Um, so, you know, we're at a different speed out here. 
So for me, check out my cards to chop out a little money and make a little money and figure it out and, and figure out different strategies. That's happening in 10 to 15 minutes a day. It's not something that I sit over there and grind. If you have that kind of time or if you're – I remember when I was in college or when I was in high school or when – Or if you're doing uh, this for a living. I, yeah. I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, I mean you got you guys out there – that are group breaking, that are ripping flippers, that are quote unquote card experts, and this is how you make your living. And you don't have a check on my cards account, and you're not flipping cards, and you're not grinding out, not grind out, but you're not just picking up that extra hundred here, hundred there. What's wrong with you? What are you doing? Why are you sitting there packing envelopes and 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 taping up bubble mailers all day and on a webcam? You guys are you guys got to think like I, people are so. I don't I don't mean to be so general, but I see people be so close minded that they're turned off by EPAC. They're turned off by check on my cards. They're they, they're so easy to dismiss things, yet they'll sit there and grind bubble mailers and grind a webcam for five hours and sit here in the group break pavilion for hours on end. It's, it just boggles. No, I think I think the positive way to look at it is they're loyal. They have loyalty to what they know whereas out here in california we're used to trying something oh it's cool it's cool it's cool we're loyal to it maybe for a week or two and then we're moving on you know we have our loyalties whether it's la lakers whether whatever it might be but when i talk to people it just seems like people can't get to that speed and if you and like Ryan said, if you're group breaking and you don't have a check on my cards account, what are you doing? If you're an eBay seller and you're and you're not getting if if you're not increasing your sales on check on my cards, uh, you know I, I don't know w- w- what you're doing. There's so many different strategies. If you're a card shop owner, you should have people coming into your shop all day long. Your phone should be ringing all day long. I have stuff to buy. You know, do you buy? Do you buy? Do you buy? And I get it. 99.9% of it is junk. But, you know, a 1970 Nolan Ryan will walk through the door. A binder of Michael Jordan's will walk through the door. And I guarantee you, you're going to be able to get them for a good deal. And instead of pricing them and putting them in your cabinet and obviously waiting three years for them to sell, put them in a box that day, send them out to check on my cards. And three three weeks later, four weeks later, five weeks later, you'll have probably turned over your money already. It should and definitely, so, yeah. It should definitely be a channel. I feel like for everyone in this hobby who's trying to make a money in this hobby, every single dealer table, every single guy who claims to be, you know, make money in this industry and puts on their taxes that they make money in this industry, flipping cards, selling cards. Why, why aren't you at least have an account? Because now this is what happens. Now I, I have thirty thousand things listed on eBay. How many things do you have listed on eBay? Uh, not not you, Colin, but uh, you you big sellers out there. I got thirty thousand things listed on eBay now that I didn't have to do a dang thing. And when it sells, guess what? I don't have to pack it up and ship. So think about that, guys, a little more. Like sometimes I just think people are, are they dismiss things so quickly, and and will come up with every excuse in the book why something why something won't work for them. Maybe it's not your one hundred percent bread and butter. But it's it, you got you guys in cards. It, I don't. I see. I hear all this money being thrown around, and this card's worth twenty thousand, and this sold for one point one million. I can't go to this national, and, and really look. I'm looking at these guys, and, and all these guys drive Honda Accords. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
There's actually these three Asian cats that look like ballers that are walking around that are getting special treatment from everyone. And I don't know what these guys. I'm trying to. I want to hang out with them because I'm trying to figure out what their deal is. But you guys aren't balling. Like you guys need to take every opportunity, every channel that you get in this industry, and, and use it. it uh, don't don't Experiment close yourself with up. It. Yeah, exactly. Experiment. Yeah, Try to create man. that. That's how you create market share. I mean, you, you're not. Once you've be, got your business going on eBay, growing it anymore is is extremely difficult. Ask anybody. Ask me. Ask any other eBay seller out there. Adding, bolting on like pro, revenue and bottom line is is extremely difficult. That's why you've got to explore these channels. I think more and more people obviously are getting into it. I think a lot of people are trying to use uh, check out my cards in the same way. And trying to just you know open up packs and 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 flip it. Um, it's not quite that easy. There's other ways. Uh, it might be that easy, but I think there's even easier ways to make money. As these fees change, as as people raise their prices, lower their prices, sell you know sell cross channel, decide not to sell cross channel. I think all that's going to just uh, it's going to change over. It's going to change everything all the time. Um, I think one. Uh, did you talk about trade? You did talk about trading already. Yes, but I think my point with that is, with the trading, that adds a whole new layer of liquidity onto the card. So for you, thirty thousand cards, you're just—I mean, uh, every every new user and the more money and the more check out my cards is used, it doesn't matter if those cards really don't sell. Um, if he, if he doesn't have any kind of storage fee to where he can, you can just turn it off. No price, just store it, um, for free. Then you can just sit on something like that for five, six, seven years. And my guess is, is the price is going to trend up. We've seen it with these upper deck, uh, rookie, these upper deck, um, EPAC cards. They get on the site, people dump them off for almost no money and, slowly but surely they've been uh ticking back up in in price and we're in the summertime i can imagine once hockey season rolls around i'm not familiar with a lot of these players but i can imagine as as hockey season rolls around um people might come back and collect that set certainly um as as those players start playing uh it could invigorate some new interest so check out my cards is constantly evolving like ryan said i think it's you look at it as a channel don't look at it as oh now i'm uh you know now now i'm in the uh check out my cards camp or now i gotta give up ebay no that's not really the case i think you just use it as a a different way to kind of distribute cards and, and see if you can't carve out some market share don't look at check out my cards as a competitor if you did that you'd be foolish trust me and ryan you have no chance. I have not, like Ryan said, I have not met None. anybody in this industry that I put in the same category as Tim. And, and there's nobody I've, I've met in this industry that have created something uh, as innovative as this. And not only that, to be able to pack and ship small items is a task that Amazon is continually battling with and ebay battles with the the united postal service battles with this um the fact that they can do that to me it's just a tremendous uh feat that they're able to do that profitably so um it's something that you want to take take advantage of it because trust me it's not happening in coins it's not happening in comic books 
It's not happening in jewelry or any of these other markets. Um, so it's pretty cool. Uh, um, I mean, you said it right there. I mean, it's 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 something that 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 people should really just take advantage of, even if it's as a small way. Even if literally you buy a hundred cards, and, or you send in a hundred cards. I, we don't do the send in game. Um, you know, I don't send in cards. I don't open cards. I don't have time for that. I mean. I'm trying not to think about how much money I'm losing being here, but it's a vacation and um, Pearl Jam's at Fenway on Sunday, so I'm going to that as well. But uh, it's just a channel, guys, and, and you really should open your mind to it. And, guys, trust us, these next four months, I'd be buying, buying, and just flipping, flipping, flipping. Because when the fees change, like like you said, there will be kind of a change, and the people who are smart will take advantage of it and will find a way um, to make it work for them. But right now, guys, it's wide open sailings. When when have I come on this show in the last five years and be like, you guys need to stop what you're doing right now and go buy some cards? When the <laughs> f when the f have you heard me say that or Colin say that? And I'm telling you right effing now stop the podcast go to check out my cards if you have an account if you don't create one now and don't i wouldn't send any cards in just buy what's on there there's people who are desperate that need money all the time and a great place to start is with this epac stuff because trust me these degens need to go buy their next 15 dollar pack of marvel so they need to sell a bunch of silvers and portraits and young guns and all this kind of stuff i think this is an excellent transition i think we need to start talking about epac because it's the only thing that i'm even familiar with right now in cards i couldn't tell you any set that's come out uh, in baseball, in basketball, in football, especially basketball and football. I mean, the top sets you kind of know, Stadium Club and Series 1 and Series 2 and Gypsy Queen and stuff, you kind of know those are floating out there. I literally couldn't tell you anything about <laughs> – this is like the least prepared I've ever been for this podcast and least prepared I've ever been to a national because I, I'm literally kind of changed by world and, and gotten into, uh, you know, stub oven stuff, but – but the one thing I do know is Upper Deck EPAC because that's the one thing I do spend time. I actually spend more time on EPAC now than checking my cards. EPAC is, I can't even say enough about it. It's the greatest thing Upper Deck's probably done since the 1989 King Griffey rookie. Um, I don't. <laughs> that's I, saying a lot. I can, guys, I didn't know nothing about hockey. I, I, did, I couldn't tell you one thing about hockey, but I, I started following the EPAC. Obviously, it has a check on my cards connection, so the, there's kind of a natural fit there for me and, and, and you two. But I didn't know anything about hockey. And I got on there, and it, it really started once the trading opened up, once you were able to trade cards. Um, I got on there and just learned the hierarchy of the young gun and it, 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 the young guns, the rookie, essentially the rookie cards. Um, you know, McDavid, McDavid's right now selling probably for about. You know, 130, 150 maybe. Uh, McDavid's the highest. He's in Series 1. Eichel's probably the sec- Eichel is the second highest. He's in Series 2. He's about four, four, uh, $40. Um, then you have Dylan Larkin. Uh, then you have Panarin. And then you have Bennett, uh, Sam Bennett. And then you have Domi. Domi's about a $5 card. Sam Bennett's maybe about a 3 to $5 card. Um, and it kind of goes on there. You just you got to learn the hierarchy of, uh, you know, who's worth what. Uh, and really... This is what the really interesting guys is thing is, guys. There's Beckett value, there's eBay value, there's check on my cards value, and then there's trade value. And those can be literally all over the map. I ha- I've had cards 
on the EPAC site that are literally worth 10 cents. But I've been able to trade them for like, I traded one that was worth literally 10, like I, the most I could get for is 10 cents. And I traded for a Max Domi that's worth five because they have these achievements that you unlock. That So you need all 25 of the Code to Greatnesses to unlock the Connor McDavid. Right, so people really the there are cards on the EPAC site that are really valuable that aren't valuable on check out my cards that aren't valuable on eBay that aren't valuable in your hand, but they're very valuable on EPAC because you need 25 of them to turn it into something that is valuable. So if you have those cards, suddenly you can then trade them for a Max Domi or you can pair a bunch of them together and get a Dylan Larkin. Um, and now that they just very recently they uh, they introduced Marvel. Um, and it's like $150 a box and they introduced uh, alien collection. And again, this is another time and place guys where you can't shut off your brain. Do not shut off your brain to check out my cards. Do not make excuses why you shouldn't use it. Again, I'm not a hockey collector. I'm not a Marvel collector. I'm not an alien collector, but I've figured all these things out. Um, it's pretty much just like any, any other sport in terms of figuring out how the rookie cards work and how the sets work. And it's really a lot of fun guys. And if you really know what you're doing, trading you can really get some, you really can can make some really good deals when you're trading. You can really trade up. Um, you can cross trade if you get some alien cards or some Marvel cards. You can trade them to the guy who needs them, who has a bunch of hockey cards that you need. Um, they just recently came out with a set Upper Deck Fusion. I was so mad. I was in Las Vegas and you texted me. You were like Upper Deck came out with a 79 cent pack on EPAC. And I literally, I was in Vegas and I literally was so mad because this is what happens, guys. There are cats who will trade you young guns for worthless cards the day and really kind of the day after and really maybe like two or three days after the uh, set comes out, like Fusion or Series 2. I remember when Series 2 came out, I was buying boxes and just trading them all for Series 1 because that's, that's, that was where the value was in Series 1. Um... But I just, I'm, uh, I don't even spend that much time on checking my cards because now I'll, I'll, a couple times a day I'll say, hey, I got these cards for trade. Send me some offers or I'll send some people some offers. And uh, it's a totally revolutionized trading. Um, there's nothing even, there's nothing like it. Anybody who trades on a forum or tra tra guys are nuts. You guys are dumb. You should be, you should just get into hockey cards. And and uh, or some of the upper deck entertainment products. The Goodwin Champion is going to be there on the end of the month. You'll be able to trade a McDavid for a Ben Simmons autograph, um, or you know maybe somebody will pull a Ben Simmons autograph and you'll be able to trade him, you know, twenty dollars in hockey cards just because that's what he wanted. I've got I've, I've yeah exactly that's right. why it's worth investing even in the Marvel. Maybe the guy has a Ben Simmons on, oh. but he wants the Spider Man Marvel that you traded up to. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's worth investing, like you said, even if you don't know nothing about hockey or Marvel or Alien or any of this stuff, you might be able to level up to a Wayne Gretzky or a guy that you know you know that For really sure. is worth something. And got I have seen like there was one day I was on there and I was so mad. Some guy, and I don't, I don't want to say his screen name <laughs> for selfish purposes because this guy makes some crazy trades. I saw him give a fourteen, literally a $1,400 Panarin high gloss to 10 to a guy for like a Mc, I can't remember if it was just a McDavid or if it was like two Eichels. 
I swear to God, he gave away a $1,400 card for $100 in trade. And I didn't have what he needed. I didn't have, or I literally would have just, I would have just kept sending the trade until he accepted it. But he literally gave away a high gloss Panarin, which is number to 10. And I think at the time they were 1400 because he was really hot. This was early in the year. Um, it was just, I mean, and, and the same guy actually just traded actually the same person. Hopefully he doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> I think he's foreign. He or she is foreign. We love you. <laughs> yeah, we love you. I think he or she is foreign. But I just traded him. A, I just traded him or her a, a McDavid for a bunch of Eichels, half the Alien set, uh, two canvases from Series Two. I think it was Saros and uh, Hudden for the uh, Canadians. It's just. I mean, I'm tell you what. Checking my cards is fun. Epac blows it away. And I'm not even. I'm, I'm not even uh, lying. I'm not even lying. Check out my cards is just that now where you can. I've I, since since I mean Epac. I've literally just left my account. I haven't transferred any cards. I haven't sold any cards. So I've got like you know ten Larkins. I got ten Panarins. I got four or five Eichels. I only have one. I've had probably about five or six McDavid's. But eventually people send you really good trade offers. I've got a bu- uh, some exclusive Young Guns. I just have a bunch of stuff. I just uh, it's it. Uh, it it takes up too much of my time because I, I literally could be on there all day trading. It's that much fun. Um, I said it before. If, if tops had this for Bowman, people would get go broke and get divorced in the same week. And I'm 100% serious. Uh, that's not a joke. That's not me. Be, be funny. Uh, I'm 100% serious. If this, if Bowman had EPAC and you fanboys were out there and had the ability to not only buy packs digitally and just boom buy not the stupid tops apps that they have in the panini apps i'm talking about buy real cards right on your screen open them bop and then trade them instantly with your buddies and transfer them to your check out my card and, and transfer them to your, you and now sell them on ebay and oh yeah by the way on now and, and sell them on ebay and, and ebay Amazon. yeah and, and not even leave your house guys and not tape a bubble mailer and not open a box and, and not yeah. get cut by nothing not do a group break nothing you group breakers would be done Guys, if Tops had this for Bowman, and this, oh my God, and I don't even want to. This made me so mad today, and I almost, I almost like, I almost when when Tim from Checking My Cards told me this, I literally almost like blasted off through the Atlantic City Convention Center, but like the steam was just apparently, because I asked him, I was like, oh, first of all, the the deal with Upper Deck that Checking My Cards has, it's not exclusive. So if Tops and Panini called him today. They could do a deal. Now, he probably would have to take some time because this EPAC stuff and the eBay stuff has taken up a lot of his time. So he'd actually probably have to put them on the back burner for a sec. So it's not exclusive. And I asked him, I was like, has Panini or Tops called you? And he said, no. And and the, and the funniest thing was is that there's evidence that the people at Panini and Tops, they don't even know how big this is. They don't even know how the amount of money that people have spent. Oh. Guys, I've seen it. Mm. Guys, I know 99% of you have probably never been on the EPAC site. You know nothing about it. Guys, there are people spending thousands of dollars per day. It'll make your head spin. Head spin how much money people are spending. The, the Series 2 box is $99 a box. The Series 1 was 90, $99 as well. That's sold out. That was the best bargain you could have ever gotten in your life. Should have bought 10 cases of that. Series two is not really a good deal at ninety nine, but guess what? People still buy it. The fusion is eighteen dollars. Guess what? I had to buy three boxes because there were people trading young guns for fusion. The alien, I don't know what a box of alien is. They they give you a free pa- uh, card per day, so I'm collecting some of those. Um, but so 
Tops and Panini, they, they don't even know about, they don't even know how explosive it's been. Apparently, a guy from Upper Deck and a guy from Tops ran into each other at the MLB All-Star Game, which I was at just a few weeks ago. And they had this, like the, the guy from Tops was blown away. Like he had no idea. And even Tim, you know, you know what Tim told me? This, this literally almost effing made me blast off through the committee. He said, you know what, you, if you get a chance, you, you should talk to Panini and Tops and, 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 and explain it to them. Oh my! These MFers are getting paid to know the industry, know the business, and they got EPAC, which probably pulls in fifty to a hundred thousand a day on a really good day. Got fifty to add that up, guys. Fifty to a hundred thousand dollars in sales per day, right? To Upper Deck's PayPal account. It goes to Upper Deck's PayPal account, not GTS, not uh, another distributor or any, uh, you know anybody else. Then go to a group break. Goes right to Upper Deck's PayPal. And he, do too much. They just and, box it up and send it over to what's it? And, and I talked to Upper Deck for quite a while today too. We'll, we'll, we should get into that a little bit. Um, um, we're the only ones for some reason talking about that they made a bid on the NBA, and I 100% confirmed that today. They told me all about it. It's actually quite interesting. Uh, anyways, um, the tops, tops. Well, that's the thing is 99, I guarantee you 99% of the people out here in the show, 99% of the people on Twitter, 99% of the people, they don't even know about EPAC. It's hockey. They're closed again. Gosh, it frustrates me that people are so closed minded in this industry. They're immediately like, they're so tunnel vision to what they know, what they like, what works for them, what can make them, you know, 2,500 to $4,000 a month. You guys need to be stepping up your game. Like big time, but anyways. So we say that every oh, wait. year, though. We say yeah. that every so, year. So, so what I want to do say I don't I don't I, tops. I, I guess they don't listen to this podcast because if they did, they all I mean, all you do is pretty is jerk off, check on my cards, and, and and well, we haven't talked about EPAC. That's the thing I know you don't you don't do a lot of. But hey, tops and Panini or Leaf or like he mentioned Rittenhouse. He mentioned all kind of people. He partner with anybody. You effing idiots! If you're out there making cards any kind of license i don't care what it is if you don't call him on the phone you're the big if you don't call tim from check out my cards on the phone you're the biggest idiot in this industry literally and tops and panini these apps that you have are effing nothing compared to epac nothing people if they had bowman all the group breakers would be gone and people would be getting broke, go broke and divorced in the same week. Period. People, be, group breakers would be scratching their head, be like, "What happened? Why does?" Because everybody's trading each other now. Everybody's open virtual packs. Everybody's having fun on EPAC now. It's a big community. These other apps, trust me, are a joke, and they're going to vanish. They're going to go bye bye, and you're going to all your digital collection will be gone because there's nothing tied to it. Guess what? If 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 Upper Deck loses the NHL license, guess what? My Connor McDavid is still real, and I still get it, and it's still there. They can't take that away from you, ever. Guess what? When Tops loses the Star Wars license, or the UFC license, or the NFL license, or the MLB license, or the uh, Walking Dead. Your digital collection will be 100% gone. When Panini's apps go 
go belly up, which they will. There's nobody on them. I check all. I check quite often. Actually, I'm probably one of the few people who listens to the show who just checks often to see if there's any activity on their on those apps, and there's none. Those apps will go bye bye, 150 percent. So any cards that you have on there will be gone. You won't be able to sell on eBay. You won't be able to transfer them to check out my cards. They'll be gone, guys. So get hip to this other stuff out here, guys. Get hip to it. Don't close your mind off. Don't be negative. Can you believe that? We're telling you to go buy cards, go trade cards, go collect hockey cards. That's all I've done this year is collect hockey cards. Has there been any evidence that uh, like group breakers that are like hockey guys or whatever, are they, have their business has been impacted oh, my God. by like uh, this? I don't even, the, the other thing that made me almost blast off through the roof is so at the industry summit this year, the hobby, some, some hobby shops, I don't know who they are and they, and you better hope I never find out. So I'll just leave that hanging there. You guys better not hope I ever find out who this that was, but they went to Panini and tops and told them. To, that they bet they need to promise them never to come out with an epac like concept the ho- there are some hobby shops guys who hate this Cl- again close-minded selfish wait 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 so there's hobby shops Correct. hobby shops clouts and chara but clouts and chara clouts and chara okay okay clouts and chara some breaker so these guys found out about epac and then went to tops or tops and panini and said do not do an EPAC Correct. product. Okay, Promise now, us so, right now not to do an EPAC product. That okay, was, now. That was that. Okay. I do not blame the shop owner. The person I would blame in that spot is Thompson Panini for agreeing to something. Or I don't know if they agreed to it or signed something or what. But uh, I hope they didn't sign anything. I hope anything like that is informal. I doubt it would be anyways, uh, because this is where the industry is going to head anyways. The more and more we talk about it on this show, the more uh, people will just start buying e-packs as it naturally happens anyways. But um, so in that spot, I mean, that's interesting. That's, shops found out about e-packs, saw the immediate threat uh, right away, and tried to get the two other brands to commit to something. That, to me, shows the stupidity more so of the company to agree you you know you don't let your you know shop owners while they they make up a buying block they're not the whole blind buying population or the buying block so um that's just my two cents i thought that was interesting well and we're two guys who had a shop so we're not we're not talking from ignorance here we had a shop and we worked in a shop all the way up through high school in high school and even before that as well this industry tries to pay too much attention and save the hobby shop guys it's 2016 look around look around if you don't have amazon prime (laughs) have fun you can go to walmart and you can stand in line and you can have the go go have fun with that i'll order it on amazon prime and it'll be there the same day i don't even leave my house guys things are changing get out get just and the fact you know really aggravated me the fact that nobody from panini or top seemed to know how successful really epac was uh, i mean i can understand from panini's trying to grind out five million sets in a month 
Uh, so I could understand how Panini employees, their obligation is to clock in at 9 or 10 in the morning and to clock out at 4 or 5 in the afternoon. And, and they have enough on that plate. I, I don't expect necessarily the companies uh, to innovate or, or to recognize it. Um, I think it's worth noting that they don't recognize it, that they are ignorant to it, um, or that they did succumb to uh, some retail shops who probably aren't doing well themselves. When two, when somebody that's not doing well in their business comes to you with an idea, you know, I always try to hesitate. Uh, you know, that's always hesitation point. So, um, but when Check Out My Cards has an idea and uh, kind of launches some innovation, uh, that that I think would be the, the direction to go into. Because now those cards are on eBay. Huh. And Amazon. And Amazon. They, I mean, they've been on Amazon. I think people think this Amazon thing is new, too. They've been on Amazon for a few years now. Uh, we've been re- reaping the benefits of Amazon sales, which are far less price sensitive. Everybody's like, oh, I don't, didn't know people buy on Amazon. Well, yeah, moms, <laughs> moms you know, Amazon's the number one e-commerce site. Okay. Oh, man. These, these people must have been from, this stuff. from somewhere yeah. else. Her son, oh, I love Buster Posey. Cool, I'm going to go to Amazon and tack on a Buster Posey card so my son is happy today. She doesn't care if it's a 2015 Topps Finest card for $1.99. She doesn't care if you can go to eBay or to check out my cards or go to the card shop and get that card for $0.50. All she wants to do is add it on to her cart. And so I know that there's no sellers in there out there because I've looked at products on Amazon to, to uh, take advantage of their fulfillment. Um, there's nobody out there thinking like that. There's no one thinking out there. Everybody's thought is nobody buys on Amazon. Nobody buys baseball cards on Amazon. Whereas your thought should be moms are buying on Amazon. Their sons certainly or something. Uh, a fan of something, soccer cards, something. How you know? Will they buy an individual 2015 Topps Finest card? Maybe not. But how can you package that card? How can you present that card so the mom can get order that, pull it out of a box, and give her to her son, and he's delighted. And I'm not just handing it to him in a soft sleeve. Add some value there. It's called packaging. Add 50 cents of packaging, and you might be able to charge nine ninety nine for that Buster Posey. Panini does it to you guys all the time with the briefcases exactly. and the gold boxes, and they charge you. You know, that's that's layered right into your guys' cause. You're wondering why you're not getting any hits, paying $20 for a briefcase. But, no, you you, uh, you make a really good point that this is another channel that, that, uh, that you know, supposed baller, grinder, you know, these, these you know, eBay, top dogs, whatever. Why, are you on Amazon, too? Like I'm not just you know talking about your listing, but some some stuff that is like like you said that you send it right to the fulfillment center. You do Amazon Prime, guys. Everybody in San Francisco has Amazon Prime. I have Amazon Prime, and it's the greatest thing since EPAC. And check out my cards. So, <laughs> so that's just gonna sweep. That's gonna sweep across the whole nation because trust me, Walmart and Target and all these like. Macy's and you know gone. All this re- gone. gone. Go- grocery gone. stores. Bye bye. See. Or they're ya. gonna have to sell through that channel. They're gonna right. have to use that channel. They're, right. That's it, gonna yeah. be a channel partner of them. It's, well, otherwise, they're gone. Of, 
Sears, right. J.C. Penny, or is just like the first domino? I mean, there's been dominoes before that, but th- it's just domino after domino will continue to fall in the retail world. It just doesn't. Especially out here in California, maybe where some of you guys live, the Walmart, the two hundred, uh, the hundred thousand square foot retail shop couldn't survive. Out here in California, you know. People don't. People forget. I, I find this in the finance world, especially. They think you know going down to Los Angeles for us here in Northern California is a short drive. They don't realize that's a vacation to go down to the southern part of the state, and oftentimes uh, to go to the other end of your city might be a vacation uh, for some people. You know, uh, if you live in the East Bay, to go to uh, you know the North Bay or the South Bay, uh, you know, might be a vacation. So you need to keep that in mind as you as you move forward. The types of buyers you're trying to market to. And I don't think people are thinking. You know, we're giving away a lot of a lot of good information here. Let's we give away too much good information. Much, I listen to your pot. You know, and here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Let's let's talk about this for a second. Um, you know, I'm really blown away because we we really stopped working on the website um which at a t- at one time was getting like 4000 5000 uniques a day we've made over a quarter million dollars on that website i don't think people even that that and i still have a lot of that money and i know you have a lot of i think you just bought a house and maybe you don't maybe, you, maybe all that money's anymore. gone but <laughs> i still have, I, I know i still have a lot of that money and we 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 actually made a quarter million in a very short period of time like a couple years there um uh, and we still make money on that website and most of the traffic was obviously to those content pages and and uh, the checklist and we were one of the we were actually one of the innovators in that um, but through and through <laughs> the, there you the checklist and all the work on the website doesn't get really any kind of uh, response uh, from people but there are so many people that email uh, and that I meet at the show that listen to the show or the emails that you get all the time, all the time. And because and I see the emails because I have it connected to uh, the PayPal and, the, and my business, unfortunately. So that's why sometimes maybe if emails don't get answered by Colin, it's because, you know, there's 400 emails from StubHub and Ticketmaster that go to that account as well. But. I actually see the email. I actually have some of them. I was going to bring them up and 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 ask you those questions. I don't I don't know if I can bring them up on this computer uh, while we're recording, but just the response that you get from the show and really what I think about it after observing all kind and really frankly I've been trying to catch up on the sports card uh, industry as a whole lately. I've been reading all. I've been going to all these blogs and the sites and uh, some of the other podcasts. One thing that really stands about out about your show, and I hope I can like speak to this objectively, is just how authentic it is and how real it is. And I don't think people really understand. Guys, we can smell a fake card, a fake autograph, a fake deal, a bad deal, a sleazy character from a mile away. And some of you guys really come off across as used car salesmen. And I, I, don't, I hope that is constructive criticism that hopefully some of you guys can just be more authentic. Um, because we really have, you've really underpromoted the podcast. We've underpromoted the website. We made a quarter million on the website. We probably could have made a million if we hammered it and did Google ads and did, you know, really like hammered it hard, um, and tweeted every, you know, 20 times a day, go to this, go to this, go to this, go to this. We under, under, uh, under marketed the website cause we knew it wasn't something we were going to do long-term. 
We knew the money wasn't going to last forever. We knew that wasn't really what we wanted to do. We knew you couldn't scale it up to be like multi-million dollars a year, which is what I know you might be at because you just bought a house. You might be at that multi-million dollars a year. I'm not quite there yet. I'm still trying to get to, I'm trying to get to multi-million on StubHub. So, um, you know, you've really underpromoted the podcast, but there are there's got to be thousands of people that listen to each show because it's just the people that come up to me and the emails that you get. Like, and, and I think people really just appreciate the honesty and just a uh, perspective. And maybe they don't agree with it, and and uh, that's fine. Maybe that just gets you to think differently uh, as a listener uh, about things. And uh, but some of the actually some of the other I think all the websites. Um, all the main websites like Beckett, I'm talking about like Beckett, Cardboard Connection, um, I'm trying to think. All the distributor websites are really just horrible. There's there's no I mean, feeling. Tops has, Tops has a better, I mean, to be compare, we remember what the Tops website was uh, going back through the years. Tops website sure, is a lot it's better just, it's just, now. It's just facts, and that's kind of a corporate website. they got to be careful right. about what they put. Can, can, I'm talking about you guys who are literally grinding all over cards every day. And there's no feeling. There's, I, I, it's all just this set's coming out. The, this card's sold for this, or this happened. And there's really no feeling, no reaction to anything. I mean, I remember when there was something I was following. I started following cards really about at the beginning of the month because I really haven't. I've been like I, I've been to Vegas seven times. I've been to South Carolina. I've been to North Carolina. I've been to. Arizona, Pearl Jam. I mean, you know, I travel. I'm yeah. pretty much travel all the time. I was in San Diego. I mean, like I'm everywhere. And and I'm at the same time, I'm also doing my thing, make, trying to make some money. And, um, you know, especially right now, I mean, I'm so front-loaded with tickets. I mean, you guys need any tickets to football games, hit me up. But um, <laughs> what was that? Well, <laughs> I just lost my um, – train of thought but um i've been you know it's crazy i i just uh, i'm blown away i i think oh i was talking about the 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 websites are just um i've been really trying to follow the card industry the last month and just i i don't really get a real sense of authentic uh, authenticity from much uh, the beckett podcast with uh i don't know the guys names that do it but it was actually pretty good the last i think i've listened to the last two episodes and i actually found it informative and uh actually pretty good so shout out to that because I, I i've been listening to been trying to listen and read everything oh and what i was saying was uh remember what i was going to say there was an award something the first of the month i think you, you so said panini you, you caught something yeah so panini "Quote unquote," won an award from the NFLPA, and if you know how the you know the NFLPA, their biggest payers are one, the NFL cuts them a big check every year. EA Sports cuts them a big check every year for the Madden video game, and Panini and Tops. Well, now just Panini cuts them a big check every year. Those are their literally their three top payers, and all this information is publicly uh, publicly available. So the NFLPA did some kind of awards where they, you know, and guess who won? EA Sports and Panini. You know, because right. they're the the two top payers, and there was these, and and it seemed like every like sports collectors uh, daily or digest or something had an article. Uh, there was like a GTS distributor piece. Um, there might have been some on Beck. I can't remember. There was like four or five people who kind of essentially wrote all the same thing, but there was no commentary 
on how it was kind of funny or really interesting or the award might have been kind of hollow that, you know, the NFLPA was giving an award to somebody who's their literally their second or third highest payer every year. Right. Um, and it just I, I, I don't know. I, it, there's again, there's, people write these things with there's no feeling. There's no. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if everybody gets that, but for for me reading that, it's like, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I don't even know how to react to that. It's like, how stupid? How can you not put some kind of tongue in cheek uh, response something. to that? Put some kind Just of something, you know, something to make it. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's a lot of cut and paste stuff. I, I don't think the incentive people don't recognize the incentive to add value. Um, likely maybe because they can't see the stats or they can't see the impact of um, putting up really good content, really uh, meaningful content. People don't know how to measure that, um, don't know how to monetize it most of the time. I mean, like, I mean, I think you've said this too before, and I've, I've tried to teach people to do what we do. A number of different people, college graduates to high school uh, graduates. No, none of them have ever uh, done it. Um, so a lot of time, and I find this in the investing world too. You think you, you'd, you'd butt up against all these uh, Harvard graduates. No, 99% of the time I feel like uh, I'm, I'm uh, by far the smartest guy in the room. And oftentimes I'll get a private message uh, from, from very smart investors, uh, people a lot wealthier than me, um, who will essentially tell me that. Uh, so... You know, I'm not here. I mean, I think they should cue. We should have a band here cueing the horn section and start tooting it. But well, you can well, listen think- to whoever you want in this industry. A lot of them are broke. We, I mean, I think I did an EPN podcast a few years ago where I was like, oh, EPN's cut their payment back. That's going to that's going to cut back all the forums. That's going to cut back a lot of content. This was before all this stuff, but this was when all the forums were still hot. There was like three or four different forums going and all these different blogs and all this content and tweeting and contests and giveaways and all that stuff. All that stuff's dried up and it's still drying up. Radio shows have come and gone. All this stuff dry, dries up because the, the EPN money dries up. And, and Ryan and I saw this two, three years ago. So and I, I did a podcast on, uh, you know, telling everybody, change your plans, you know, find some other shit to do. And that's what we did. And, and you know, you keep you keep moving on. You make even more money. The, the, you know, you'd, be, you'd be shocked when I'm making a lot of money. That's when uh, that's when it makes me the most nervous. Usually, you know, you think it'd be the opposite when I'm making no money. It actually, I actually know my next big idea is is coming, and I actually like to go broke, pressure myself, you know, in that sense. When a lot of money's coming in and pouring in, you're making it rain. There's no motivation to do anything, um, and so I, I, I think, unfortunately, I don't see a lot of money coming in through a lot of sellers I talk to. A lot of break. Well, we're going to talk about breakers here in about maybe a minute here, but. Um, I don't see a lot of money pouring through the, the, the affiliate money's dried up. That's gone. That's never coming back. So, um, you know, I don't know if I, uh, I've got a positive uh, spin on it. That's, I don't know if you had a point on that website side, but, um, you know, we're well, just trying to, uh, 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 for me, I'm with this podcast. I'm just trying to 
what you're getting is myself. If you met me in a bar and you got me going, uh, this is, would exactly be what you'd get. Maybe a little softer, but I'll let you. Uh, I don't know if you had a point there. Oh, I just, I just, I have been observing it the last month. Like I said, I've been really out of the game for a long, a long time. Really, really all year. Um, it really started when I had all that, and you know about this. When I had all my money basically tied up into that Dodgers Padres opening day game. Uh, and yeah, so you, what you say about making a lot of money, it is, it, uh, it can be, uh, stressful, especially if you have a lot on the line. Um, so pretty much after that game happened and everything went well and it was 80 degrees and sunny and Clayton Kershaw pitched and, uh, you know, it was a sellout crowd. Um, I stopped paying attention to everything except for Pearl Jam concerts and going on vacation and the NFL, the upcoming NFL season. Um, so really recently I was like, oh my God, I'm going to the national and I don't know anything about cards except EPAC and check out my cards. Um, so I've been just trying to follow the sites and stuff. And, 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 uh, I usually listen to your show just cause, uh, honestly, it's one of the, it's just, you get real information. Like it's just from a real perspective, it's coming from a real voice. It's not a used car salesman type, uh, pitch, um, which I, people can see a mile away. People see that people smell fakeness a mile away. So, uh, and I think sometimes when the microphone's on or the camera's on, it's hard to, for people to be real. Because you're trying to put on some kind of act, you know, you're trying to like play up for the camera, or you're trying to play up for the microphone, or you're trying to say the right thing, or pat, pat the you know right back, or stroke the right whatever you know blankety blank. Um, but you, to to get the most viewers, to get the most kind kind of thing, and like I said, we've underpromoted the website, you've underpromoted the podcast. We could have made a million dollars on the website. And the funny thing is, I remember, I remember the whole time, even when we were making a lot of money on the website, we kept talking about how, well, it'd be really fun if we, if, if this wasn't our main source of income and it could just be a fun site again and we could just do the podcast and there was no pressure to put up any checklist or do this or do that. And, and I, I like, I really like that. It's really gotten back to that point to where there's no pressure there's no pressure for you to put up a show. There's certainly no pressure for me to do anything. I mean, I don't even, I, don't, I haven't done anything on that website in probably two or three years. Funny thing is, we still make money on it. Still, we still get actually more than my rent every month, and right. uh, probably the same for you every month. Well, actually, a little more than that. I mean, it's a, a lot of times it's, it's like, like half double, a triple Benz. my rent. I'll, 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 it's like half a Benz. <laughs> well, see, I'm not on your level. I don't, I don't have a Benz. I have a, <laughs> I have a 2003 Volvo S40 that I put like. $5,000 in this year, and I swear to God, I've got it sitting, and, and they broke it down again, and I got so frustrated, I didn't, didn't want to take yeah, it to my guy. I'm so mad. I literally want to check that. It's a nice car. You've seen it. I mean, you you know, it's, that's nice, a very, yeah, it's, it's nice. an excellent car, but um, golly. I'm gonna, you yeah, can't, I'm have, you can't have a luxury car off warranty. You just can't. You literally yeah, have to go. For real. You have to lease them, or you got to take them in 30 days before that warranty expires, because like you said, mm. You drive four miles and something breaks and that's four grand. So, yeah. Now I'm trying to fix it and I've got this one screw that I got to take off on my dash and it's literally like putting a crink in my wrist to try to get it out. And I'm like, why didn't I just take this to my guy and he would have charged me five hundred dollars and that would have been that. Like, what? Why did I dig into this? You know. But, um, you know. So I, my advice to everybody out there listening and and you know you can take it for what it's worth. But I would just try to be authentic. If you're trying to break into, just be authentic. Be real. Don't don't write for eBay purposes. Don't write. Don't say things to stroke Panini's back or this person's back. Maybe you know there's like a, a you know the distributors have to 
you know, they can't never say a negative word about anybody. Uh, just, if, their role is totally different. I don't think you're speaking that they can put out, in my opinion, a distributor or someone like that uh, connected like that can put whatever spin they feel appropriate. They, they have a different audience. They have a different revenue source. But if you're trying to bring people into your website to come in and read it or, you know, however you want them to engage with it. You can't just put up an article saying Panini won an award from the NFLPA or Panini is coming out with tops totally certified. You know, you've got to add some value. I don't think people get that concept. I don't. I certainly don't see it with like group breakers. They don't add a whole lot of value. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of adding value by like ripping flippers. They just they think by putting the team set together, they're adding value. But there's like 40 other guys doing that. So, you know, you always have to add your own extra layer of value on it. Um, however you see fit. But I don't see a whole lot of that uh, going on. I mean, I think we we could segue into group breaking. This is maybe oh, the latest. Yes. They've got to feel like the the now it's like they were once like the youngest child and everybody kind of oogled and Googled over them. Now, like there's there's a couple nieces and nephews now and grandchildren. And so nobody pays attention to little Johnny. And I have, I have a feeling like the group breaker is now little Johnny because we've got check out my cards innovating moving next door to amazon and all this stuff going on with them they've got e upper decks got eat back going on they might have basketball going on um you know obviously tops and panini uh, we might not talk about a lot of stuff they got going on tops got tops now going on there's a lot of different stuff a lot of different distribution models kind of happening a lot of pulls on your dollar now as a collector you could do digital you could do epac you could do check out my cards you could do ebay you could do all these different ways uh now so your dollar while it is still there there's a lot more options for you for your dollar and so I, I i don't know maybe uh maybe i'm wrong about that but what was your temperature of the group break uh, pavilion feels like less people for sure less breakers um, and I could even go back to my old uh, Cleveland video and count up how many there were and then count up how many there are. There's a lot of tables that they're not even there. Uh, maybe they'll show up for the weekend, which sometimes happens, but um, I don't really know what to make of the group breakers. And I've been trying to goat somebody into being like, you know, try to tell me how much they make I'll, I'll tell somebody exactly how much i made on the you know dodgers padres game i'll still tell somebody exactly how much i made in the nfl season last year you know what i mean so i've been trying to like goat people you know people into like trying to just well how much are you making a month or like what you know a lot the problem is with with uh the way they're having to buy product is that it's probably hard for them to determine how much they make. And when they're telling me how, well, I get a case of flawless for this price, but then I've got to buy three cases of gold standard at this price. And I've got to all kind of mix it all in and I'm giving this gold standard away and I'm mixing it in. I mean, the spreadsheet these guys have must, I hope is a mile long. I don't know what, how these guys do their taxes. Cause I know how I have to do my taxes and mine isn't even nearly as complicated as them. And mine's, you know, ends up having to be kind of complicated. So, um, I don't, I don't even know. I don't think, I really think it's a teacher salary, uh, when it boils down to this, cause you really need two or three guys. So maybe 
one guy makes a teacher salary and the other two guys are at about ten, eleven dollars an hour. Honest to God. What happens uh, I, when uh, it's fifteen? I mean, I know there's fifteen dollar an hour labor. Um, I think it's coming uh, nationwide. Uh, I don't know the timetable in which that's coming, but I'm pretty darn sure it's coming, especially if we have another uh, Democrat elected there. There's no way that's getting reversed. So um, I'm wondering, too, what kind of pressure that's going to put pressure across all all, uh, prices. So it it, it might be kind of like a moot point. But uh, like you said, you got one guy making 30, 40 grand. Well, all of a sudden now he's got to fork out if he has two guys, that's 10 more dollars an hour that he might have to fork out. Um, so, you know, I, I know these guys aren't thinking about that necessarily. They're not necessarily thinking about that, that, that on, on that sense. Um, but of the guys there, uh, is there any, uh, any indication of the, uh, is it now they're just on kind of that treadmill? And that they, they don't know how to get sure. off. They can't get off this business. They've made too many connections. They probably have some obligations. So, um, well, you'll appreciate. You'll really appreciate this. Here's the biggest problem they're having. There's really no growth. That it's really hard to go from you know what they're at to then explosively grow upwards. So they're kind of trying all different types of things. Um, you know, whether it's open. You know, some of them are trying to open stores. Uh, do personal boxes, have this person break for them, blah, 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 blah. Um, Why aren't there YouTubes making them bare minimum 250, 300? Don't you think they could make 250, 300 with the stuff? They're all like flawless cases and all this stuff. You And uh, they're opening it the day it comes out. That stuff gets good. I mean, we get good views. I mean, you got to know what to do. You can't. I mean, you could post a video. Once you have an audience on there, you can just post a video. But you, you know, you got to build, massage that, build it up. But seems to me like they could at I, least be generating some some they sales. They could and, easily, just from what I know, what I, I I don't make that much, but I don't post that many videos. Like you said, these guys could probably post a video that gets 10k views eventually, almost every week. So what I'm thinking is they could probably make at least a hundred dollars a month. And I know these guys are going to scoff at that. People's kind of scoff at like when it's only a hundred here or hundred there. These guys but that's like right the, to the bottom line. That's what people right. don't realize. It's right to the bottom line, and it's no real extra work. Yeah, you got to do maybe some some stuff on YouTube that takes five minutes a day, but. That flows right to the bottom it, We're line. talking about seconds. We're talking about titling yeah. your video right. Titling your Leaking video correctly. It or whatever. You know, it's easy. It's, it's You just do, uh, Google, a, Google a YouTube video on how to get your video popular and views. You know, you pay for the traffic if you want. But the point is, is that that revenue looked to at bolt stuff on like that where it's like oh all i have to do is just this little stuff and i'd make hundred you know there's a thousand dollars a year then you know that's what ryan and i have always done um you know for, for years now where it's like hey we're making a little money now um we you know if you have a full-time job i think that's the problem is these guys are breaking 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 and selling and ordering and, and kind of packing and shipping, they don't have time to kind of explore these other options uh, that they might have. Uh, so I think that's that's um, maybe why they don't uh, do it. But um, I mean, we're giving out so many good ideas here. There, I mean, there's a hundred dollars. There's a hundred dollars in your. I, I think that's bare minimum. Uh, I mean, I have a bare finance uh, YouTube page that I started. I have five videos on there. I probably spent eh, maybe five days on it, 
and I make $4 a month. You might scoff at that, but if you're a group breaker, these videos are coming automatically. You could have uh, 5,000 videos in, in, in you know, a few months' time. You could have a, a big audience. I have like 30 subscribers, and I make $4 a month. Imagine if I times that by 10 and 20 and 40. Uh, that's the way I look at it, at least. Well, so you know, I don't get it. Another thing that's really interesting is I think these guys a lot of time they so they'll they will scoff at a hundred dollars a month, but I think they a lot of times they confuse revenue and profit. So they'll throw out a big figure. Oh, I do X million dollars in sales a year. Da 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 da. I'm big time here, there, there, whatever. And but in reality, their profit on you know a million dollars in orders is. Like, yeah, they're running at a couple. It, of well, here's the thing: even if it's yeah, even if it's a hundred grand, you got you're chopping it four ways a lot of time. You got to chop your your shipper, your packer, your three guys who own the business. So and, and you're chop you're chopping it so many different ways, and um, there's just well, no way to make a lot of money. It's, it's inventory. You know, you're always then fronting your next ten. That even if you have that kind of uh, profit coming flowing to the bottom line, that money. I mean, now you're paying your rent and your car and all this other stuff too. Well, now you got to take that money and buy more inventory. Got to buy the next well, flawless case and all that stuff, or pay your bills on on the inventory you've already broken. So it's a tough. Um, you know, I could see if you weren't running on uh, on a decent amount of credit, it could it could. Uh, well, here's the thing, though. This is this is what sucks for them is I haven't had to pay for an airline flight in over a year because I run my entire business through no interest or like I just pay off the credit card in advance. But so I get hotels and flights and points and da 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 da. These guys, they, they, they I, I'm pretty sure none of them they don't pay credit because the distributor charges you like two or three percent extra to run that transaction. So all these guys are working off money orders and cash. And and like you said, credit they'll sell they'll sell everything, but they don't they they don't rack up Southwest miles. They don't rack up hotel. Right. Well, they should have a side business, stuff. like you said. Like I mean, they need to brand. This is one business. Like um, I mean, take our website for example. Like you said, we we made a quarter million. We had four thousand people a month, and we sat down and we had a conversation and said, how do we pair this back? I mean, how many people do that? Pearl Jam. Saying, you know, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like very people that look much for we were looking much further out, not just hey, four thousand dollars a month, you know, hey, we're balling. Um, we looked at it as look at the kind of work we're going to put in. Could we do this for five, six, seven years? And, and, and the realization was no. So, the same thing with group breaking, you might have a, an audience instead of it being kind of an all or none thing. Try to figure out a way to wean back on your maybe your breaking, but maybe your connections with the industry. Maybe you can set up a piece of software, a piece of networking. Look at the Breaker Culture website. I don't know if he has a revenue model in mind, but um, imagine if he did and he, he got 99 cents from uh, from everybody or uh, maybe be the payment processor, be the bank for these guys uh, or uh, I don't know. Set up a well, trade association. Set, I, I don't set know. Up a, set up a show in California, and I'll promote the crap out of it. And I'll help you every single way I can, and I'll come and tweet the hell out of the show. I mean, you, there's so many other... Now that you're in the card industry, don't think that you're going to break cards forever. And that, that's the problem with these guys. Like you said, they're on a treadmill, and they're on a treadmill that can't stop. Because every time, the, the only way they make money is, is selling new product and new product and new product. And now they've got offices and, you know, kind of overhead and, and, and employees in some cases. Um, it seems like every single guy 
is there's no like single guy, a single man operation. I mean, I know if I do a million in my business, I'm clearing 330 straight cash that I've got to report to the R 330,000 minimum that I got to report to the IRS. I don't get the sense that if these guys did a million dollars in sales, they're they're literally no, might be clearing one point. seven one, fifty. Two point. Fifty to a hundred thousand. No, but and that's not a that's not too. I mean, I was looking at Under Armour and they run it. They had a billion in sales well, they, and they cleared six million. So I mean, it, I I don't mind that, but they that's what they need to realize. If you're only running at a couple points when it when it all comes in down, even at ten points, you you can't. You can't run a, a pro. That's not worth all your time. It's worth a little bit of your time. It's worth maybe an hour here or two a day, but to grind it out and have it be your thing, uh, twenty four hours a day, probably not. Uh, probably not a good idea. I think these guys. I mean, we've been saying this for. Yeah, it's the same, and they're in the same boat. There, there, there's been no innovation. There's been no growth. I guarantee their their profit and sales has been. I bet if you looked at the growth, it's just not there. They saw explosive growth when it was kind of, like you said, they were the new kids on the block and they were selling a million records and they were hot. But they and were saying the same off. thing then. Exactly. Exactly. When everybody was on these guys' nuts. And hey, I actually have a real serious question for you. Um, okay. I mean, just dating back to all those years, have has any group breaker or anybody has sued you yet? Sued me? Oh yeah. my god, that would be that would be the greatest day of my life. Wasn't that the threat? I mean, all these guys oh were going to come god. sue us and lawyers oh, and all this stuff. Oh. How many emails do we have that we could pull out oh, of the woodwork right god. now? I'm going to sue you. I'm going to make a million dollars off group breaks. Those guys aren't here. Those guys are gone. Oh, Those guys god. are vanished. You know who you are? Hey, buddy out there, you know who you are? You were an oil and gas man when uh, you said you were an oil and gas man when it was a hundred dollars a barrel. What's it at now, buddy? How's uh, McDonald's treating you, homie? Hey, w- hey! Next time you see me at the Aria, just stroll past on the uh, at, at the Mastro's Club. I'll be sitting there eating up a steak, buddy. That'll be, be me, buddy. Yeah, he'll be uh, sweet. You can clean up my that. scraps. Maybe I'll yeah, throw you a dog be. bag, homie. Maybe yeah. I'll throw you a dog. I've been to Vegas seven times, homie. Been, I'm about to go to see Pearl Jam for the third time this year, homie. Went to the MLB All Star Game, homie. Went to the USC uh, 200, homie. What? Where? Where have you guys been? Went to went to Omaha for a wedding at the beginning of the year. I've been everywhere, guys. All, Arizona for, saw a couple games in Arizona, guys. All my own money, guys. All my own money. All hard, hard. True, I'm working. Woo! I'm it's working. True. I'm working real hard over here, guys. You guys are over here packing, packing and shipping, packing and shipping, and putting up checklists and tweeting, guys. I'm going on vacay, guys. I'm going on vacay. So that's what it is, guys. Hey, you, you, you know who you are out there in Texas. You're probably li- listening. So f you, buddy. And uh, I'm still, <laughs> I, I, I'm still balling. And guess what? I heard you weren't. So. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's the yeah. He. I mean, it's hard being the card father, though. It's hard being a card father. It really is. Well, really let's is. hope he, let's hope he's not a real father because things might get real tight. Oh, if you he know is. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. yeah card, card father is is real card father. That's probably why he had to go get a real job. So yeah. instead of ro- rolling dice on camera. 
Yeah, didn't quite make a million doing box breaks, but uh, next. Uh, oh, and Car, what was the website? Streaming website. When oh, Carwell TV. Carwell TV. That, what happened to you guys? Right. You guys were going to change the yeah. world, and Beckett was going to use you, and all these people oh, are going to. You're going to. Right. Breakers that's TV right. still the jam, guys. What happened? Oh, and Breakers oh, TV. Yeah. That's a funny thing. He he owns this other website called I don't know Vaughn Live or something, and right. it's all these people vaping and 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 just nasty things go over on his site. He he actually like segmented, but people wonder why that website crashes and it sucks because he's got 200 people on his volume life site vaping and talking about donald trump is investing facebook has been paying celebrities to stream live that's what that's the funny thing too i've been seeing facebook's paying celebrities to stream live twitter's been paying celebrities to use periscope like live video is in demand if you post it on facebook they'll boost it up to the to the top because that's how they they get you staying on the site these days so live video is in demand these guys don't realize their most important asset is the video of them opening cards both live and then recorded after they're not monetizing that in any other way than opening in the packs and and i mean that sentence right there could if you if you understood what you're doing now and what you could be doing, that sentence right there could keep you in business for the next 10, 15 years. But all these guys, all they're doing is focusing on opening the cards and sending them out. Whereas there's this whole, you know, there's this whole industry developing around live video right now. And I mean, layer on top of that, maybe in the future that we could maybe side bet on what happens in the break. You know, those kind of things are coming down the pike. Um, Whoa! You know, those are the that's hot kind of right things. there. Those are the Whoa. kind of things. I'm God, you give out too many good ideas. Too many, oh my God! Million. The thing is, is like God, you should so charge many, for this. I really should. But thing is, is, like I have so many things going on that it's like I'll break this down on baseball cards, but then I'll do the same thing on a fifty billion dollar company and blow people's minds uh, on on stuff like that. So this is like for me, this is like I do this podcast. And this is like this is this is fun for me. And then in the finance world, you really have to have all your your ducks in a row and make sure you know your argument. But um, too many free advice out here. What what else we got? Group breakers, like you said, we're deep into the show. We're kind of pulling out uh, pulling out things. I think uh, everybody realize when we've been saying this for years. Again, we'll cue the we have an orchestra section over here, and their the horn section's playing, but. I, when they were hot, when group breaking was saving the world and saving the hobby, our message was exactly the same, that they hmm. never, they'd never get to this point that, that, you know, those same four or five guys that really had dedication, they'd be in it, and that would be it. And you'd have a lot of these guys come and go. Hmm. Big father, big fathers and millionaires and dick swingers and all this stuff. They'd come and go. They'd come and go. Mm. told you this the whole time told you to save your money when you're making a bunch of money russell wilson year andy dalton year whatever year that was told you to save your money Mm. 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 can't say that's the thing is like i get on this show that's why we have the horn section playing because i've been on here we've both been on here year after year after year telling you guys the same thing and then when it happens of course we got to come on here and take a take a lap around the track Mm. Mm. I got a question for you. Actually, I got a re- good question for you. Well, where would this? Where would the national have to be to get you to go? Okay, so my thought now is 
okay, I'm a family man now. And to get out of the house, okay, I think everybody that's married now and they might have kids, might not have kids, either one, if you're married, you know, to get out of the house, to go somewhere, you can't, I mean, may, maybe my marriage is different, but most people I know can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to AC later. Um, you know, so the quality, my wife's going to want to go. You know, it's not that my wife doesn't want me to go. My wife's going to want to go, you know. And once we have kids, my, you know, I'm going to have to drag the whole kids out there, the whole family out there. So something like AC doesn't work. How can I go to my wife and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to AC or I'm going to – she'd be fine with it. She understands this. But I can imagine the average guy out there that might not have a wife who, whose husband is, is entrenched in his cards, you know, might not let you fly all the way to the opposite coast. Um, so for me, where does the national need to go? It needs to go to a place where – my my wife and my future kids can have something to do um so it's got to be a major destination out here on the west coast i'm biased obviously san diego los angeles san francisco portland seattle uh, uh las vegas arizona even texas i think if they put it in texas that's one i could justify hey it's in dallas uh, my family will go to Dallas. i don't really exactly know what's going on in dallas but there's got to be something going on in Dallas, a concert or something my kids and my family can do. Miami, personally, if it was just me going, just myself, <laughs> look at my wife's not here. Miami, Las Vegas, uh, New York City, mm -hmm. um, Seattle would be probably um, would probably anywhere in Southern, anywhere in California. But I'm biased. I don't want to even mention California because I don't want to seem biased about that way. But I think they should have one in the Pacific. The Pacific Northwest is really wet and really hot right now. Um, so I think I'd love to see one out there. But selfishly, too, I think somewhere in Florida, too. I think we should go to that tip. Those people are ignored, I feel, too. They probably It's probably tough for them to get connecting flights to some of these places as well. Miami. I mean, I know they got the Zika thing going on right now, but they'll figure <laughs> that out. And we'll, you know, South Beach, baby. I mean, Whoa. come on. There's a reason why LeBron took his talents to South Beach. <laughs> okay? It wasn't to win titles. It was not. It was not to win NBA titles. LeBron James realizes he was going to win titles either way. It was because <laughs> he took a couple trips there and saw the kind of pee that is walking around on those beaches. And trust me, that would be all day. So I'd love to get me some of that. Uh, Miami, Chicago. Hey, there you go. Next year. But it's not in Chicago, right? I mean, it's like. Well, technically. That's the one location. <laughs> I will say that's the one location where next year, if I do want to go, that's where I can well, go. There was you know. one night. There was one night in Chicago. Uh, our cousin, we, we went out, and I think it was before the national or something. And I'm telling you, the 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 place was jumping till four o'clock. Like like blocks were jumping till four or later. And I don't think these places. I think they had to close for an hour. I don't know what the law was there, but it was it was popping. It was shoulder to shoulder everywhere you went. It was. Crazy. And it doesn't. And, yeah, it doesn't and, have and to be a bunch of young people at the national. Yeah. But I think you know uh, some of this pop and atmosphere, uh, nightlife, or kind of uh, uh, advertising that a little bit to uh, to a certain crowd 
certainly could draw some news uh, through the door. And I think, you know, the old man's going to come. The blogger's going to come. The guy that's been covering his whole life's going to come. Either way, and I think we, we know that. Um, really what this hobby needs is, is the family man, the guy with two sons or a son make us trip out. Uh, not necessarily every year, but I just don't see a guy and his, his eight-year-old son going to your wife and saying, oh, yeah, I'm packing up the son and we're going to Atlantic City. I mean, out here in California, you just can't. That That's just not a trip. Uh, obviously, you have to be able to afford that. So you're a family that can afford to do that is then giving up. What are they giving up? That same family could f- fly to Paris. They could fly first class to New York. They could fly first class to Miami. They could fly first class wherever they wanted in the world. Oh, but I'm going to pack my eight-year-old son. We're going to go to AC to this sports car convention. So you see what I mean? The, the, the old man, the average guy is going to go anywhere. Uh, to get me to go, I'm a, you know, I mean, I've become extremely snobby when it comes to hotels. And I was Ooh. at a family reunion. And the hotel that the family, let's just say the family reunion was not at a hotel of my quality. And uh, <laughs> let's just say when everybody found out I was staying at where I was staying at, they looked at me like I was crazy. But I said, hey, I can't stay. I can't stay three star and below. It just doesn't mm. doesn't appeal to me. Doesn't appeal to me anymore for whatever. Same with cars. If the car doesn't cost a lot of money then I don't even want to sit in it. It just, you know, you get your t- it's just like steak. After you add the filet mignon, I remember uh, uh, Mark Cuban said this on Shark Tank. Once you have the filet mignon, it's hard to go back to mac and cheese. So, I mean, it's the same, it goes the same thing with hotels and all this. I mean, you, you know, too. I'm not telling you anything. You're not saying Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I might be his worst. I mean, I might be right. worse. So, I mean, yeah, because I don't. And that's well, what these guys the got to figure out. Cars. We're on the show giving out all these good good ideas, and you know the rest of these guys don't even have time to take a breath because they're packing and shipping and doing all this stuff, working so hard. We have time to vacation, do all this other stuff. I mean, it's not like either none of neither of us have a job. Neither of us have had a job for a long time, uh, for for almost a decade now. So, yeah. if you stretch it back, you know, stretch it back when we're on the store. I mean. We'd have a job for maybe a couple months, pay some bills there, but this is education hour. Um, it really is. Group breakers. I mean, like I said, I don't, got anything. I don't know if you have anything else to, to say on that. I think you're asking me a question, but. Oh, yeah. I was just asking you about where it would have to take uh, yeah. for the national to, to get to you, but. Uh... Wow, tops meeting that was today. Oh was yeah, anything, you got uh, to see that right too. I got, got to, to see, see that on the weapon. I got to see it. Yep. Um, I'm actually you, uh, if anybody wants to see it, I want to say that the Periscope saves the videos now, and it's permanently saved. Um, and uh, maybe you can put a link in the show notes, or if you okay. search. Sports card news, Paris. I don't. I don't know how it all works. I'll put a link. I have a link. I barely got it to work on the website too. Okay. Uh, I, I, so yeah, I barely there. got. Thankfully, I got the feed to work. And literally, I didn't. I should have plugged in my. I had to switch to my phone. I had a camera. I had a, a, a 
tablet that I was trying to stream it on, but it, I don't know, it was like turning in background. I don't know, it looked weird for me. Um, so I used my phone and it, I think it lasted the entire, I, I literally got, yeah, no, it was I think cool. It, was cool. it cut off the last, they were giving away crap. So at that point it didn't matter, but you, some of the audio might be a little low because it is a little hard to hear, but I think you could hear a lot of the responses and, um, at least get a little feel for it. So, I mean, for me, it was about the same as every year. I feel like some of these people, they come into this and they've, they've, these guys have literally practiced their question for the last like five weeks you know, in front of the mirror or something. So, so and and for me, I don't really like the the real specific, I pulled this card, what, you know, I got this, what can you do for me? It's like, that could be a time when, dude, you're at the show, go up to these guys, they're all standing there, get, you, you can have a shot to talk to, you know, the guys that were up there individually one-on-one, pretty much, if you're here. Do that then. I think I, I, this is me being selfish and I'm not saying that, that this is how it should be. I'm just saying personally, this is how I, I would like to see it. It's just more broader, open-ended questions about the industry, licensing, um, plans for the future. Uh, I don't want to talk about recent sets. Like I said, I don't, I don't even know what they've come out with recently, but I'd love to hear their thoughts on. Uh, the digital strategy and even more the digital strategy. Why can't you pull a card and put a code on the back and put it on the app? Why are they almost like separate things? All these different things that would have been, you know, really useful. But I think people are very, you know, again, a lot of people are very closed minded and they're only, they've got their blinders on. So they only see what they're, what's in front of them. And so they only want to ask about very specific kind of things, which is fine. Um, and it can, it still makes it interesting. I'm not saying that it, it, wasn't interesting it just wasn't that interesting for me um but uh and that wasn't that's not a negative on tops it wasn't like tops didn't make it interesting they just answer the questions a lot of the uh, honestly a lot of the questions i could have answered myself like i literally could have answered the the finest one was interesting what he said about finest baseball was that you know they were getting orders for tops finest baseball and Mm -hmm. the orders weren't enough to to kind of uh you know make the numbers work or whatever so they informed the distributors that they were going to turn it into an online-only product. This was back in February. And they figured at that point that the distributors were going to then disseminate that information down to hobby shops, which would then disseminate that information onto collectors. But for whatever reason, distributors didn't say anything. <laughs> um, and uh, and Top said, uh, I think that they thought Tops might be bluffing. So the distributors thought Tops would be bluffing. They'd say, oh, no, 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 we need you, and, and we'll sell to you. But, well, towards the end, as you guys remember, I, I think I even did a show with it, Tops, uh, it, it seemed at the times Tops had pulled a rug on this product right at the end. Well, what ended up happening was the dealers just figure, realized Tops wasn't uh, bluffing, and they're really going to do an online <laughs> exclusive of this. That just shows you the... Um, I, I don't want to say that these distributors sell a lot of stuff. Some of these distributors sell way more than this baseball stuff. So I don't want to, they might not have really cared about one set from one manufacturer. Uh, it might not have been a big deal, but, um, well, the orders were low. So the the orders were low. So obviously it wasn't that big a deal. Right. So I, I think that that was for me, that was one of the more revealing things. There was other things in there, little bits and pieces. But um, 
other than that, like you said, it was more uh, – some of it was a little too specific. There was a decent amount about the apps if you're into that. For me, that's not a big big part of what I'm into, but certainly I know that that's what people are only into. But So there was a little chatter on that um, as well. Uh, there certainly was some chatter. I think you asked them about the NBA. They they seemed to open that open ended. You know, we want every license kind of answer. Uh, oh, I wish I could have just kept firing. Que- like I wanted to just keep firing questions at him, but you know, thirty people had their hands raised, so I figured, you know, we'll just he the way move he along. answered it. He kept he kept going on, but for me, like I'm used to reading through people's you know, four, five sentence, six sentence answer and kind of realize, I think he, they made a bid, you know, they didn't sit there and didn't do nothing. You know, how competitive that bid is and what it entails, who knows whether it's just digital, whether it's everything or an exclusive, try to push for an exclusive. I don't know, but tops didn't just sit there and not do anything uh, about it. And so I think it's, it's going to be a highly competitive, um, highly competitive situation it, it, it actually it, it actually is I, I i have i have additional information that i actually can't share but um i would probably put the odds of somebody else getting a license besides panini at maybe like 10 or 25 percent at, at, that they would and that 75 percent panini retains the exclusive um, so th- I'm saying there's a chance, um, and selfishly, right. uh, selfishly, I would, I would, uh, oh god, I would, I would do backflips if there was basketball cards on EPAC. I mean, I would probably that that'd be like a great, that'd be like a, just a wonderful day. Um, obviously for me, any type of license that Upper Deck now gets is just an absolute great day for me because I'm going to be able to exploit that and trade that for a Dylan Larkin young gun or this kid, Austin Matthews, who's going to come out uh, in series or uh, it depends when he plays, but uh, you know, it could be in series one series two next year. So, um, and there's some other good young players too. Um, but so I would put, so I don't want to get, I, I don't want to, I want to temper people's expectations a little bit. Um, but no, lock and change though. I guarantee lock you, and change, lock, lock and lock and change, change. A lock and change. Even and when I, the deal is signed, a lot. Oh, one point. Oh, one point. I can. One point. I can. Say, one point. I can. One point. I can say is that Upper Deck, their case to the NBA was really like, "Hey, you should really go talk to the dealers and really evaluate the market of what's been going on these last few years." I I don't think it's any stretch of the imagination that the basketball market is. I feel like it's kind of soft just from buying hockey cards all year and like i don't really get the sense that there's a whole lot of heat over uh, for some of the high-end stuff yes but through the whole bandwidth of the panini basketball products i don't really get the sense that there's that much interest in it and i mean somebody like the nba could comparatively look back over the years you know oh three oh four when it was tops and upper deck um, you know, what were those sales and on up through the two thousands there when it was like more of a split license between, um, you know, tops and upper deck, go look back at those sales and how do those compare now? Um, that's what upper decks case. I'm not saying, you know, all of what I just said, but upper deck did tell them, Hey, go look at the market, go look at the dealers, talk to them and really get a gauge for the market. Um, and 
and hopefully, you know, the NBA really can take a, I don't know. I know that's the thing. Nobody knows. Nobody has a source at the NBA. Anybody no, no. that says they know it's in the NBA's hands now. And who knows what they're going to do. They may take the I'm best deal. Take everybody. The, you know? Yeah, maybe they'll, yeah, maybe they will. What I should have asked them and I will actually, and I'm, I'll have to probably tweet this out since we won't do another show, but uh, maybe you'll mention it on. I want to ask him, I meant to do that when I when I was there. I I wanted to ask um, the person at Upper Deck. Just is it? I, mean, I think you mentioned this on the last. Is it all or nothing? Is it half and half with Panini? Isn't it exclusive or can it be five products? SP Authentic, right. Exquisite, uh, Series One, and you know whatever else they want to do. Um, so that's what I want to find out. That is it all or none? Is it exclusives? Is it half and half? Is it, you know what I mean? Or can you get in there with one or two products, you know, and then maybe that leads to more. Maybe that just really works. Maybe that, that five products, six products just really works. And Panini can still crank out their 25 or 30 or whatever, however they're going to do it. Uh, but I would put the, again, I would put the odds at 10, 25%. That's me just kind of shooting off and, and knowing what I know about it. But as either tops or and like you said i think tops definitely made a bid i i anticipated usually they're more forthcoming like last year i remember the guy talked about you know oh they talked to the wnba uh the tops guy did and and uh it was actually clay who didn't he was talking more about the licensing last year but the other guy um who who did answer that nba question he he answered the licensing this year, but I, I, they made a bid. It's just, you know, like you said, how competitive it is across the board. Who knows who else is involved? There could be some, who knows the, like you said, when Panini came along in 2009, they were a mystery too. Nobody knew about them. NBA is, you know, the perception of the NBA in other countries is, you know, I, I think a lot of people, uh, the NBA, oh, the NBA, you know, NBA, especially NBA cards, yeah. But Close-minded. Uh, in China and in Europe and where a lot of these NBA players are, are coming from, you know, I, mean, I, I think a large percentage of the league now or a big percentage of the league are like Kristaps Porzingis and Nowitzki and these kind of players. So these countries love these guys, you know, and so they think the NBA I mean, the NBA is huge. And, it, and it's it's certainly the biggest American sport in a lot of these other countries. So um, certainly some. I think that was Panini's maybe idea at the time. I don't think they've select uh, successfully really translate translated that over there. But uh, you never know who might be poking around uh, at these these kind of uh, things. But certainly interesting. Anything else from the toss meeting that you took away? I mean, that was probably your first time ever seeing one. Yeah, I mean, it, it. you know, once I think people found out they were getting one-on-ones, it got real chummy real quickly in there. Uh, so, as it should. I mean, once I saw they were giving out one-on-ones, I was like, wow. I bet if people knew that, that line would have filled up to get in that room would have been way harder than it would have. I don't know if they give out one-on-ones every year, but uh, to give out a one-on-one is pretty nice. Um, certainly a nice gift. But uh, I saw what, on a side note, I saw, like, Nike switched, or Michigan switched to, like, Jordan brand. I don't know what they were before. They might have been Nike or whatever, but then now they're Jordan brand. 
And Jordan Brand sent out like this big military like metal briefcase that said like Michigan Strong or something on it. And you popped it open and there was like custom Nike shoes and like a Michigan jersey. And they sent that to like bloggers and like influencers and like, you know, people within the industry. I don't know if it was like Michigan bloggers or fashion bloggers. I don't know who, but I saw that. I think Darren Rovell actually tweeted. He probably got one himself. Uh, so he, people like him get these these super nice get that, that has to be worth at least four figures on eBay, probably more than that. Just the box alone to a Michigan fan would be worth a ton of money. Um, so you guys got a one on one, which is pretty nice. But, uh, you know, I looked at it in context of, oh, look at these sneaker guys. They got, you know, probably a you know, at least a four four figure gift from from Nike. But the one on one. Like I said, once that was announced, boy, oh boy, it was it was chummy, chummy real quick. <laughs> it usually is there. I think you know, maybe people come with ambitions of you know throwing you know flames and and it just doesn't uh, really materialize that way. Um, I can't think of one time where it got kind of awkward or the the air kind of like got no. sucked out of the room in the lot. Literally, I've been going to these ever since they started doing them. And I can't remember one because t- what they do is what they used to do. Remember our boy, uh, Mark Sapir, oh, whatever. Remember, remember that? Idiot, remember yeah. that effing? Remember yeah. that effing idiot? Um, well, he what what he, he used to actually play it a little differently than the Ripmaster does, who was giving away the stuff in the in the in this in the last actually several years. What Superior used to do is after every kind of like semi awkward or hard question, immediate giveaway, immediate giveaway <laughs> box, and immediate like that literally. That guy was such a clown. I mean, such a oh, clown. I mean, I just uh, remember. I remember. I remember being at. It was the summit. I think it was the last time. It was the last time I think I was ever able to go to the summit. I just remember the tops had their, they had like this four hour thing that was so boring and it, and it wasn't even about tops. They just paraded up all these other dealers to talk about like nothing about tops. And I just remember sitting there tweeting the whole time. And he's like literally like maybe like 30 feet away, just like glued to his phone. <laughs> and I remember he comes. So then the thing wraps up or whatever. And, it, and the power went out during it. And it was a complete disaster. And Tops took some questions. At, they, it was a four-hour thing. And Tops took 10 minutes of questions at the end and then cut it off. And so after, literally after they cut off, and there was some heated questions. The industry summit is where you get the heated question. The air sucks out of the room and it's awkward. And it's like, oh, my God. And so so – after the 10 minutes of questions and they shut it down, Mark Spear, and I'm, I've told this story on this podcast before, but I, I, this this image I is so know. vivid in, in, in my mind. He comes up to me and literally his, this is an employee at Tops, his hands are shaking. <laughs> and I'm not very tall. I'm only like 5'11 or something, but he's a little shorter than me. And I just remember when I saw his hands shaking, I just oh, remember kind of stepping up over him. Like I was going to step over him like LeBron did to Draymond Green and just like, bitch like you know what i mean like just like when his hands were shaking like there's nothing there's nothing and and the first words were out of his mouth like you you don't you don't you don't want to talk you don't want to do some kind of partnership and i literally looked him right in the face and be like me and my brother started and this was at the time we were making like eighty hundred thousand dollars a year i was like we started this website and making six figures a, a year and there ain't nobody in this room that helped us do it 
And what the hell do I need your help? And when I told him that, like literally the air sucked out of his face and him, like he just turned drunk. And, and literally he, at that point, he knew I was serious. He knew I wasn't one of these little tweeters and hoping for a handout and hoping for a gift bag and hoping for a free box. He knew that I didn't give an F about him or his company. And that's still true to this day, guys. That's still true to this day. Back, so Back I mean, then it was just for like a retweet. You and I was making guys, to blog guys, guys, we should be pumping. We, we could have done exactly like everybody else. Pump eBay, pump tops, pump all this stuff. Just ram it hard. Keep making all this money. And we pulled back and we said, man, it'd be great to have this website where we could just do and say whatever we want. We don't have to work out it. And, and that's it. And don't make a lot of money off of it. And we were making a lot of money off of it. And we consciously like try to stop. I don't think people really understand that. Like, they probably just think, oh, well, oh, these guys just uh, don't know what they're really. They probably nobody really probably knows we made you know well into the a quarter million or more, and it's still going today on a website that you do a podcast once or twice a month, and that I haven't worked on in two years, and I still get a check for twice my rent uh, every month from either Google or eBay or. Uh, shoot, we got, uh, you know, people paying. So it's just, it's unbelievable. And right this second, you got a group breaker packing and shipping his last break. You know what yeah, I mean? He's and, got and spots then listing left. his next one, you know, listing his next one. And, and yeah, you know well, what yeah, I mean? It's he's eating five spots on the, on the one he just, uh, just shipped get, out. To get the next case of national treasuries, you've got to buy six boxes, of, uh, uh, six cases of gold standard. Mm, mm. So, the distributors and the and the card companies team up to screw you guys. We told we've told you this for years, guys. We've told this shit for years, guys. We know how the game works. We've been doing this, guys. We we ran a we started working in a card shop when we were eighth grade. I, actually, it was before that. It was like we were in like seventh or eighth grade. Yeah. All the way up through high school. So we know how the game works, guys. They don't care about hobby shops. They don't care about group breakers. They, they try to put on a brave face. And if you're kind of loud enough and grumpy enough, then maybe, you you know, they'll kind of pay attention to you. They don't care about your million-dollar orders. They don't care, guys. There's somebody we right gotten, behind you. Yeah, I mean, we've gotten kicked out. Ryan's gotten kicked out, banned from the industry summit. Uh, the employees of the companies. Wouldn't talk to us. Wouldn't send us anything for free if you if you paid him. But yeah, oh. like Ryan said, been to Vegas here? seven times. Yeah, uh, guys, guys, can I can I go through can I go through my itinerary no, for I just this year? And what where are we at? We're in July. What are we? At? We're in August, so we're eighth month in. First of all, I went to uh, Las Vegas for a couple days right before New Year's Eve. I'm uh, uh, spent, and then I uh, on I think uh, day before New Year's Eve. Yeah, day before New Year's Eve, I flew to Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, had a lovely three days there, and the the it, the uh, what, despite the snow on the ground, and it was obviously kind of cold. The weather couldn't have been better for me. It was like fifty, you know what I mean? It was it was sunny. It was no wind. You know what I'm saying? Uh, our cousin got married. Lovely wedding, uh, just beautiful. And then I was so hungover on the flight back. I remember to Vegas that it was the worst flight of my not my life. Stayed another couple of days in Vegas there, and then what did we do? We went back a couple of days. We went back a couple of weeks for, later. Yeah, a couple of weeks later for our yeah, birthday. a couple of weeks later. So we did. So and that's this. We're still in January. Went back. Can you tell the people and 
maybe you'll be honest. Maybe you won't. Tell me what happens when we go to when you go to Vegas with me. What happens? And Nick was there too. How many times have you picked up a meal check in Vegas? <laughs> How many times have I picked up money to put in a machine? I mean, it's. I mean, let's just say money ain't a thing. Like when we go into Vegas with you, so it's taken care of. Is, is, have you paid is for real. a meal? When's no. when is the last time Javier showed up on your on no, your trip? No, no, no. When yeah, we met, no. oh, you're let's tell. I this don't even have my wallet. Ninety. I have my players card, and that's it. Let's tell this little story. We lost. I remember we lost. Like we kept saying, "Hey, we're gonna hit it. We're gonna hit it," and then we're gonna go to Mastros. And we were there for like I don't know four or five days. I can't remember how long we were there. This was in January, and so I was like. We, we ended up losing because we started playing electronic blackjack and it was like going hella quick and it was like five handed and it was like we lost. I know I lost into the thousands and then Nick, Nick, who doesn't have a lot of money, lost like I think three or four hundred, which is a lot of money to him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. I don't know. I don't I think I was giving you money or you lost. You, you probably didn't. Uh, I, I was down lost. a couple hundred too myself. Yeah, I, remember you were down, I was down into the thousands. And so we. Oh, and we lost that three hundred. We put three hundred dollars on Alabama. Remember to win oh, that's right. Title yeah, to and cover, we got cooler, but I think. we got cooler. They won the game, but what happened that's was right. is they scored a touchdown with forty five seconds left, and then oh, whoever they were playing came all the way down to score a meaningless touchdown oh, with like fifteen oh, seconds left. Oh. We got cooler on that three hundred dollar bet. We I lost several thousand that that night, steaming it off afterwards. You lost money. Nick lost four hundred dollars. The next night, the next night. We're, of course, we're staying in a, fuck, in a freaking uh, suite up in the Palms Place. Really nice. Don't stay at the Palms. Stay at the Palms Place. We had a freaking suite up there. Uh, we were at the Vidar Aria. I don't know where we were. But I remember getting up and looking at you. I think we were at the Aria because I, I remember looking at you guys and being like, look. Because we were like, how are we going to get this back? Well, I was like, look, first of all, we need to act like ballers first and then it will come. <laughs> We need to go. We don't. We don't need to gamble yet. We need to go to Mastro's Club, get the steaks, get the side dishes, get the drinks flowing, get it cracking early, get the dinner in, feel like a baller, feel like we're about to win, and then go hit it. So we did that. We went and had a steak. Did you pick up that check at Mastro's? <laughs> please, please. Okay, you didn't pick up that check at Mastro's. So I picked up the check at Mastro's, and then what did we do? We went. We started doing, and what happened when we went to the the Palms later that night? What, uh, what kind of I, jackpot did you hit? I had the biggest. I had the a progressive. I had a the biggest jackpot of my life. I had a progressive and a minor in the same. I hit two jackpots in one pull, and one okay. it was eight ninety nine. I think it well, in change was the exact okay. amount. And pe- people started standing around. Because this machine was spinning for exactly. so long, people started standing around. I was like, "Oh my god, we need to get our money, get the hell out of here!" So we got, you know, we got, we got our boy back. Even, you know, that was our 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 goal. Was our boy was stuck three, and he was feeling bad, and we were there a couple more nights, and we, we got were, more than three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he got back yeah, more than three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we I chopped mean, like a few grand each. Like we chopped like it was like a few. You won like I thought like three or four grand. I can't remember. It was, I can't remember how much it was it was a lot. It was a lot. Anyways, so that was Vegas. And then uh, 
Anyways, that was four or five days in Vegas. Like you said, it ain't like we go to Vegas and and we're eating at, at Subway and we're eating. Oh, you know, yeah, well, we're playing the nickel machines. We're playing we're at the that. Tropicana. We're, 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 we're banging that, you know, max credit in the in the four or five dollar room. You know, as and fast we're, as we we're, can. And we're at Mastros and we're at Javier's and we're going to these we're going to these nice places. We're, and and again, your boy's over here is picking up the check. Oh, and we got to get the seven dollar uh, John Philippe's after. First, oh, then, yeah. I mean, you got to yeah. get the $7 John Flip. So, anyways, that was in – so I went to Las Vegas, Omaha, back to uh, Las Vegas to recuperate, come back for a few days, went to Las Vegas with you guys, dusted off a bunch of mo- – I still lost a bunch of money on that trip, but I was glad to get you guys back even on that jackpot pool and yeah, feed you guys at, at Masters Club. So then uh, I think actually the winter, I don't really like to go there much, but right at the start of March, I mean, the first thing I'm getting doing is get, hopping in a plane, and I went to spring training, and a lot of times that's a trip for, well, of a lifetime for people, but I've been the last like three or four or five years. And I saw the Giants' uh, first two games. I saw Samarja pitch. I you know went to Bandera. I went to some of the, you know, my restaurants down there that I know and love and and all that, and, and went to that, and then lo and behold, Pearl Jam announces a tour, so of course, I go on vacation, I went to Greenville, South Carolina, which is beautiful, uh, went to Charlotte, North Carolina for a couple of days, and I went to Columbia, South Carolina, that was a little trifecta, a little trip right there, went to that, um, that was in April, so I saw Pearl Jam a couple times, they canceled a show, um, but that was like, a, oh, and I stayed five days in Vegas, that leg as well, so I went to five days in Vegas, and then I went to Flew to Greenville, stayed two nights there. Went to Charlotte, stayed two nights there. Went to a Triple A game. That's they have a really nice stadium up there. Stayed two nights in Charlotte. Uh, so, somehow got down to Columbia, South Carolina, was a couple hours away. Stayed two nights there, right on the USC University of Southern California campus. And uh, damn, I wish I was ten years younger. Uh, <laughs> saw Pearl Jam there. Oh, and I when I go see Pearl Jam. Oh my God! So when I saw them in Greenville, I got this crazy tickets. Like uh, they always release tickets right at the end, and they're always hella good. And so I got these second row side stage tickets with like these crazy fans, like these diehard forty concert fans. I've probably only been to like twenty or something. These diehard crazy fans, and literally, they were kind of doing stuff and had kind of like little rituals that would get, literally get the band members to come over. Mike McCready came over, and the guys were playing the guitar literally right in front of me. I'm second row, and Mike McCready's right in front of me. And then at the end of the show, they, the Pearl Jam usually plays this song, and it was really kind of hokey, but they said, oh, we got to do the circle of love. And I was like, what the heck? These people are really weird. So we, we all kind of like lock arms, and we're doing like this thing. Oh every single every single member of the band came over, and I was looking Eddie Vedder in the eye as wow. he was like, wow, these guys are crazy. Look at these guys. Like they all came over. All Every single member of the band came over. Wow. So that was freaking I mean and they played versus their second album which is actually at the time broke the record for most albums sold in the first week. Their second they played that that record straight through which they hadn't done. I don't think they they'd uh, ever done that. Um it's just an epic concert. It was one of the best concerts like I'd probably seen. I've probably seen like 20 concerts. And then uh the Columbia show I have I had fl- I had a floor tickets and so I was like you know right by- I was like second row and it's like you know it's like you're right there I mean so those are always like crazy experience and then uh, so that was in May and then I'm probably missing some things but uh, I know I've been I've went back to Vegas for some reason two or three different times I went to NBA Summer League 
I went to UFC Fight Night. I went to San Diego for two days to see the All-Star game. Um, man, I've just like done all this like really cool stuff. And then obviously came out here. Um, I was actually, for the 4th of July, we were in Vegas and you were supposed to come, but you couldn't make it. So, you know, we, Nick had to get the whole experience and, you know, Nick's, Nick's broke. So obviously when he's with me, I mean, it's like, I mean, that fool don't have a nickel to his name. So <laughs> security though. Security. Oh God. Yeah. He's security and the women. Trust me. The women come flocking. Yeah. Hey, this tell gap, the Diaz so. story though. Tell the Diaz story. Oh my God. So this is the crazy. <laughs> This is crazy. So I'm sitting there UFC fight night. I never been to UFC fight night. I honestly couldn't tell you. I could tell you more about hockey than I could uh, UFC. Don't know too much about these guys. Um, I like recognize Rashad Evans, and we obviously um, I don't talk about this that much. But I'm a I broker tickets. So I when I go to it's like you think you're a snob at, at oh. Remind me to tell the neat Diaz story, but we've been to a few Giants games uh, this year. Where do we sit? Oh, please! I mean, right in the right in the front. <laughs> I mean. You know what? You know what happened? Two days after we sat there, they cut to and guess who was sitting right where we would have been right in front of us. Guess who? Uh, Joe, Joe Montana. Oh, I won't even let you guess. Joe Montana. I remember watching the game. I think for some reason I was at my parents' house and they cut to that. And I literally jumped out of the chair and be like, that's, those are, those are my seats. Like I'm right. It, could you imagine if Joe, if we were sitting there and Joe Montana hey, comes uh, up? Here's, and the, here's the kind of seats we sit. I remember uh, you took us to two Giants games. The first one, we had the same seats for both games. So the first one I go up, I get a beer and to come back down, you got to show your ticket or whatever. So I'm pulling it out and I show it to the usher. And obviously that usher's probably been there for a long time. He's been working at the stadium for a long time. And the first thing was out of, out of his mouth was, "Oh, those are nice seats." So you know, when the usher, when you impress oh. the usher with your seats, because I definitely didn't look like the kind of guy that was going to be sitting in those kind of seats. <laughs> uh, so his attitude changed really quick when he saw the seat and the ticket <laughs> that I had. That's the kind of seat, kind of respect. Uh, that I like, you know, I just think that's worth paying more for, you know what I mean? For me, it's like, you know, aside from the benefits of being in the front row, you know, seeing the game, no distraction, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's like I can come down. Nobody's sitting in front of me. No, I, I mean, nobody's bothering me. Nobody's standing up, getting in my way. It's just a beautiful, you definitely, definitely get used to the hot life rolling with people should, should just, you should have your own podcast where you talk about how you pull all this stuff off because I don't think people <laughs> get have a sense of, you know, they, I think they think you're, you know, you must have this money coming in from some, you know, you must go to those, you know, you go f- f- on a fishing boat for three months and, and, and tear yourself up for, uh, you know, $20,000 or something. And then you go blow it all. But, um, you know, we got guys group breaking. We got guys packing all their stuff up in two days to head out from the national. We got guys grinding on eBay, not even, you know, not even checking out, check on my cards, even a little bit, even sniffing it. Got guys that have used check on my cards for a while, but, uh, you know, for some reason haven't made any money or haven't figured out a way to use it properly. And you've been to oh, Vegas I, I, seven times. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And let's we got to tell the Nate Diaz story because this, okay, is, yeah, the, Nate Diaz. this is crazy. So anyway, so we're I'm sitting at so I, I get us. You really don't want it unless you can get front row floor 
of a of a USC fight, you really don't you almost don't necessarily want to be on the floor. You really want to be in the first row of the seated level because then you're raised up like probably about a foot and a half, two feet. And so you can see over the top of everybody on the floor. You can still hear the action. And you can see the action. So unless you can be in the first two rows of the, which are really hard to get, a lot of those, those tickets are. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna spend that kind of money on a on a, a Lakers game or a game. I mean, oh, and I, I saw a game. I saw the Warriors game clincher um, the same night. I sat front row at the Giants, where we always sit. And then that same night, I went and sat sixth row at the Warriors playoff game. That was some random. That was just a, a day trip for me. That wasn't even vac. That wasn't one of my vacays. That was a day trip for me. Go <laughs> sit front row at the Giants game. I was literally sitting there praying it would go extra innings because I was like, oh man, if it goes extra, I'll just get. I'll book a room at the Intercontinental, which you can Google that, guys. Google the Intercontinental, San Francisco. You'll see that's a fine establishment. I can stay right there, and then I can uh, go down and see the Warriors, and that's what I and I sat. So I sat uh, front row at the Giants, and then uh, behind home plate, and then uh, sixth row at the Warriors playoff game. Anyway, so I'm sitting there at fight night with my buddy who uh, at one point uh, had boxed Mac Dancing, who is a, a former Ultimate Fighter TV show champion. My buddy had knocked this fool out. Uh, in the first round when they boxed many, many years ago, probably over a decade ago. Anyway, so my, but uh, Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz of the UFC are from Stockton. And I believe still live there. And my buddy knows them and has trained with them. And they're, uh, Nate and Nick know my buddy Nick's family and stuff. So they're kind of friendly. And I, I've, I've, uh, Nick and, and Nate or Nick, Nick and Nick text each other sometimes. So they're kind of buddies or whatever. And they'll see each other out. Like if Nick or Nate is out, they'll see my, my buddy works in some of the bars and stuff in Stockton. But anyway, so we're sitting there watching a USC fight and I'm like, I'm captivated. I'm like, this is really cool. And what was really funny is like when Rashad Evans would come in, he'd walk right by us and there'd be like a trail of people trying to get a selfie and just talk to him and pat him on the back and shake his hand and Forrest Griffin, the same thing. And a couple other fighters I just didn't recognize the same type of thing, selfies and just everything. Lo and behold, we're sitting there and here comes Nate Diaz uh, of the USC. And there is a freaking trail of people behind him trying to get a selfie. And you could tell he, he, do, uh, he doesn't really want to stop and, and handle all this business. But he sees my buddy. He stops. Hey, man, what's up? What, what are you doing here? And my buddy's like, oh, we just came into town hanging out. Hey, meet my buddy Ryan. I stand up. Hey, what's up? Shake Nate Diaz's hand. He then takes off. It. He's got a trail of fucking like 40 people walking after him He's, as he walks down to the front row. I just thought that was the great. And everybody at that point like that was sitting around us like just looked at us. And we must have looked like the biggest baller. That Nate Diaz had 40 people tr- that he was trying to get away with. And then that he was trying to get away from. And he literally like stops he literally like stops what he's doing to talk to my buddy and then i get to shake his hand and say what's up to him as 209 he, 209 stockton for life nate diaz saw somebody from stockton and he literally stopped what he was doing he had 20 people he chasing knows. after him he knows if he, he don't saw, stop the, the next respect time exactly exactly got no, no respect he, that's now. the thing get he knows out. Exactly. If he, I know if he about five stop. guys that can knock him out. That's the thing. There's probably only like two guys in the whole UFC <laughs> that can knock him out. I know about ten guys in Stockton right now that could knock that guy out. They ain't gonna pass Absolutely. a drug test. 
they ain't going to pass a fucking, uh, you know, police report or background report, but I guarantee they can knock uh, Nate and Nick Diaz out before. So I've heard the stories uh, firsthand. So that's pretty ain't cool. No that's ain't cool. no doubt. So that, that was just kind of fun. Yeah. So I went to that and then, uh, yeah, I went to this and then Pearl Jam is actually playing at Fenway Park on, so the rich get richer. I'm going from the national to the Pearl Jam at Fenway Park. Um, so that's going to, I mean, I've never been to Boston. I've obviously, so I've never been to Fenway. And then, so Pearl Jam's playing there. I mean, that should be <laughs> incredible, wow. I would think. So I've been, I've seen him at Wrigley a couple of years ago. And that was just like crazy. I think tickets were like $5,000. I mean, it was insane. They're playing at Wrigley. Yeah. If you get a chance, if anybody out there gets a chance to go see them at Wrigley, they're playing a couple. Th- tickets should be a lot cheaper this year because they're doing two dates, and they've already done it before, so some of the novelty will wear off. Um, it, it, guys, if you can go see this band, I mean, it's they're uh, they're really good live, and uh, you know, I like hearing like you know they have obviously some well known songs and some hits. I obviously like hearing I like hearing all the old stuff or songs that I haven't heard in ten years or songs I never heard live or. They're newer stuff, you know what I mean? I mean, I've heard Even Flow and Alive and Better Man. I mean, I've heard those songs 150 times. Give me the deep cut, you know, kind of thing. What was interesting about the Greenville show is you knew what songs, when they were playing verses, you knew what songs were coming, whereas in a normal Pearl Jam concert, you don't know what songs are coming. Like, you can watch an old, you could watch, I've watched like old Nirvana concerts, like way back in the day. And it's like the same set list almost night to night. Like, maybe a song here, might song chain right there. Same thing with Stone Temple Pilots. It was like the same set list for like years and years and years, like never change up. Whereas a Pearl Jam concert, that's why I go on Pearl Jam. You know, when I go see Pearl Jam, I go see them like four or five nights in a row because it's different every night. It's literally oh, the yeah. songs are different yeah. every night. The experience, the vibe, where you get your tickets, who you're around. I always seem to meet like really like cool people. Obviously, this last time, I mean, literally these people were like super fans and the band like kept coming over and I was just like looking at these guys like, damn, how did I get, how did I end up right here? I mean, like literally, I just remember looking at Eddie, me and Eddie Vedder just looking at each other and he's like, he's like literally like five, 10 feet away from me. I'm just like, like starstruck with a capital S. I mean, it's just like, crazy so i mean we saw them i mean you remember i mean we saw them we were eighth grade it was 1995 and it was a hundred yard mosh pit i mean they were kind of at the peak of their career it blew that blew my mind and ever since then you know i've probably gotten into the music more and even recently i've started dipping that back into like the stone temple pilots albums and the Soundgarden albums they have an album that's uh i remember it's like one of the first albums i ever listened to in high school it's called uh down on the upside i think it came out in like 90 96 or something it's really good it's it's actually really cool to be like damn i remember listening to this in high school and this is really good how many people can like go back and be like oh i was listening to this in high school and it's still this is still good this is still like you know, oh, true yeah. I mean, kind I of think, rock I mean, and I, roll you know i think that's yeah I think it cycles through different genre. I mean, I just think of rap music too. Just the music in general from that era, uh, it was oh, so competitive oh. because I think the money was flowing uh, so uh, richly at that time in terms of album right. sales and CDs and stuff. Were really uh, there was a lot of money selling a CD. Uh, so 
bought a margin well, in a CD. Thank God, thank God it was because Pearl Jam sold. I mean, they caught, they literally caught the perfect wave, the transition oh, from yeah, tape all those, to all CD. The rappers, yeah, all those. Oh guys, my God, uh, Dre, all up. those guys made, yeah, made millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, somebody like at the top of the game, and so it's allowed them to not really like push as hard, and they don't have to like push their body. I mean, these guys are getting kind of up there. Um, but it's really inspiring because I go to these concerts. I'm 34 years old, and I'm looking up there and being like, damn, these motherfuckers are in better shape than I am. They look better than I do, and they're in their 40s and 50s. So it's inspiring to like look at how hard they're working. People just see the end result. They see them coming on stage and hitting the notes and playing. But there's a lot that goes into this. It's the fact that these guys still look good. Still, Eddie Vedder still sounds good. Um, that's yeah, not easy I mean, to pull these off. Guys are dead. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, rest in peace, Kurt Cobain and Scott Weiland and all, you know, it seems like, I mean, heroin and just, uh, yeah, that the fact that they're all healthy, they're not addicted to heroin. They're not, you know, about to commit suicide that they kind of made it through all that big time. And they were under a huge microscope. I mean, I give a lot of, I have a lot of respect for those guys. And obviously the music is uh, really good. And, it, and they take me out of my comfort zone a lot. I mean, I would never have gone to Greenville, South Carolina, never would have went to Columbia. But, it, you know, because Pearl Jam's there, I'll go. And the National is kind of the same way a little bit. You know, I, I would never come to Atlantic City in my life. I, never, I would probably never come here, but because I it's still here, wouldn't. I came here in Atlantic City. No, I probably wouldn't either, but you know, I, I think some of the stuff about, you know, we're from ghetto from the, you know, Nate and Nick Diaz. We know, you know, 20 cats that could knock out Nate and Nick Diaz and that's right. no disrespect for them, but you know, I when people tell too. me, yeah, he probably, you know, when people say ghetto this, ghetto that, and I'm walking down the streets, I'm like, I'm like, these guys have never seen a real ghetto. Like, there are literally streets in Stockton that, like, 15 minutes from my place that you couldn't pay me $10,000 to walk down the block. Literally could not, like, and I've had to do it in the past. I remember when I would, when, we, I mean, we were broke and I had to come see you. And this is many years ago. And sometimes the Greyhound bus station would close or you'd miss the last Greyhound bus. So you had to walk down to the train station, which was only like three or four blocks. But those three or four blocks will put the fear, you know, I mean, I've never been that scared in my life. And the I had so many people come up to me. I mean, it, just walking four blocks and you have guys six five coming up to you, asking you to get a sip of your soda, get a drink. Why are you wearing a pink shirt? And I must have looked like the scaredest mf'er they've ever seen in their life because I was. <laughs> so that's real talk, guys. If you if you can't walk down a couple blocks and literally begin scared and literally guys have come up to you either see if you want drugs, try to get a sip of your soda, try to get money from you. I mean, I felt like Nate Diaz. I had cat because they seen a white cat with a pink shirt walk down the street. You know, walk down and get. It. I mean, so that's real though. But yeah, so if you shout out to you know. You guys, a lot of you guys don't have it that rough, so don't uh, <laughs> don't use that ghetto word too freely. Cause trust me, the, the Atlantic City ain't ghetto. A lot of a lot of places where you guys ain't ghetto. Um, there are a lot of places a lot worse. It's Chicago, I guarantee. There's parts of Chicago that nobody ever sees when they go to the National. That's twenty hundred times worse than this, and probably worse than Stockton. I mean, there are people getting killed every second in Chicago. From the if you look at some of the statistics and some of the things going on there, it's crazy. Some of the housing projects and uh, some of the stuff that goes on there. I mean, it's intense. Like it's catch me dead in any of those places. Hell no. 
So Scott, well, you know what Scott, you know what our buddy uh, Scott Weiland nineties nineties buddy he used to go when they would go on tour he would go to the rough neighborhoods and try to cop heroin. Always yeah, like, of course. Yeah, the guy was a freaking nut. Well, we've uh, we've circled uh, circled the the world a little bit. Uh, you got any? Uh, you got any uh, last? If I mean, people should be. I think in the past we used to get a lot more hate. I think that's that's uh, that's died down a little bit. I think people have realized that uh, over time that uh, they probably should be asking us for advice more than uh, trying to egg us on. But um, any advice or any words for anybody out there? I mean, not really. This is it. I mean, we we'll probably won't talk again. I mean, on the podcast. I mean, we, me and you will obviously talk, but uh, at least I, know, on the I need podcast. you. I got sod. I, I'm putting in new sod in my backyard. I'm having you guys come up for that. I got the NFL. Yeah, call Nick. Yeah, call. Yeah. Well, no, I need. Yeah. I need three guys. Two guys need to put it in. I need another guy stand there and watering. So you can stand there on your phone. Well, I can stand there and water. water. <laughs> yeah, you can stand there and water. Nick will put it in, and I'll sit there and point. So, <laughs> I mean, okay, that'll work. Yeah, we could work. We, we'll arrange that. So. Yeah, we could have that meet. But as far as podcasts goes, for me, I mean, this is probably it. And then I really enjoy what I'm doing now. Like, I'm super excited to get home. And um, I've got, you know, 50 cases of flawless and football tickets. I mean, I got football. T- I got so many football tickets. And uh, I don't even know what to do with, let alone how many I'm going to get. I mean, this ain't even, this is nothing. This is preseason. So. Um, it's, yeah, I don't want to, that's the thing. We give out way too much free advice. I don't want to start giving out how people can really make money. I mean, I think we could Um, lay it out here step by step and, uh, like they wouldn't be able to do it. You guys wouldn't be able to do it. I really think that's you uh, pretenders. So, and it's not that, um, I think a lot of times it's just, uh, time for some of these people. They don't have the time at this point in their lives. They're not at that stage in their lives. Some of these younger guys, the, the education level is just not not quite there yet i'm not saying you have a lack of education you just don't have uh enough of it yet i guess is what i'm trying to say and i don't i don't know i don't know i can't speak for you but i don't know if i'm really that smart like i mean i spend most of my time watching the science channel and like literally like my like jaws just drop like what they talk about on the science channel i'm just like i i just sit there and like have to stop and comprehend it for like five minutes because it like it blows my mind um but for me i mean this is as far as my cards journey aside from epac i'm gonna get into you know epac and stuff but that's it i don't care what tops is doing i don't care what panini's doing i don't care what sets are coming out i was Uh, gonna say you're not benefiting as much from the check out my cards in that account because there's not a lot of high dollar stuff in there there's not a lot of this uh you know you just don't have a lot of stuff over a dollar Whereas I've noticed and I've gotten feedback from this people with high dollar stuff that wasn't moving. Now, all of a sudden their account is starting to churn over. And so I think that's a real powerful thing. I noticed that I had like pretty much all, I mean, obviously it has to be 75 cents or more, but I've had some cards peel off where it was like, I would then go see, okay, where was this priced on an eBay's market? And I went and it was like, wow, I probably could have probably could have doubled the price and it still might've peeled off. Um, so there's right. definitely some opportunities well, out there. What I've been able to pick up is now I know 
since I know the young gun hierarchy, I've, I mean, I've bought six or now all I really buy when I do go to check my cards, I'm buying the stuff that's on EPAC. Cause I know that people are underpricing it. And so like, uh, like I'm thinking like young gun exclusives that are numbered to a hundred, those have a lot of value. And even if the guy's a scrub will still have value as years going on, especially if it's an iconic set, like the series one could be with McDavid and Domi and Larkin and Panarin. And I don't even know if I'm saying these guys names, right. But, um, I mean, they, and, you know, and even on down the line, like Sprong and Patan and, uh, it was all kinds of guys that sell in like that dollar range, Rantatine or something. I don't know. I think he's on the Avalanche. I don't really know who these guys are, but I know how much their cards are selling for. Um, well, the cool thing is, is that's exactly like stocks. You'll listen to stocks podcast or even on TV and these guys will say, oh yeah, I'm trading Amgen. I'm trading uh, Google. I'm trading uh, all these companies. These guys have no idea what's going on in no. these companies. All they're doing is looking at price action and charts. Right. And that's kind of, let's, it's, you don't have the charts and the price. Somebody certainly a third party could develop this kind of stuff, but um you know that's the kind of stuff that that that's the kind of stuff that that should be analyzed. Uh, the stuff that's not always uh, right in front of your your face. You don't necessarily have to know who's who's kicking in the goals or who's leading the, the team in points or whatever it is. But um, you know, knowing the markets, knowing I think um, not to give away what you do. You know, a lot of what what, you, what a lot of how you you pay for your vacations and stuff is something called really just like price arbitrage where you're you're finding kind of a, a one market where the 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 item sells at that price on that in that market but then in another market that that same item could sell for a, a completely different price and it could depend on the time it could depend on a lot of different other circumstances that you have to factor in but a lot of times it's as easy as uh, finding an item being on one marketplace and being sold on another marketplace. And so that's what Check on My Cards opens up kind of automatically now with the Amazon and the Check on My Cards, uh, you know, kind of atmosphere and ecosystem on itself. And then obviously the, the door to eBay kind of opened up. I, I don't think a lot of people really, they they kind of uh, just look at it as um, the same way that they've been selling cards since 1999. Whereas really you need to start looking at all the new ways this introduces ways to sell cards. Um, Have your mind go there. You can always revert back to buying a box at wholesale, opening it up and sending it to them or selling it on eBay or however you're doing it. Group breaking. Um, Look for new ways. Like Ryan said, he didn't know anything about hockey cards. He didn't know anything about uh, any of these guys. He's never watched a hockey game all season long. <laughs> you didn't hear him say, oh, I went to the Sharks game. I went to the yeah. NHL finals or whatever it is, the Blackhawks or the whoever. He didn't know who any of these guys are. And all he cares about. It was the Sharks is... and Penguins, actually. I actually watched yeah. the playoffs. Oh, okay. The I, didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was something else going <laughs> I think something else was going on. Uh, the, the NBA. The finals. The yeah, freaking the NBA, finals. NBA, yeah. Yeah, the NBA finals. But, um, so expose yourself to new stuff. I mean, I think, uh, you know, that that's people always ask what's, you know, how do you make money on your own? How do you make money as, as a business person? I, I for me, I, it can always be summed up as always be looking to learn something new and try something new every single day that what you're trying, what you're learning might not lead to anything, might, you know, mm. but if you keep that attitude for long enough, it tends to add up to to something and that something tends to add up to a lot. And, um, I don't, I, I, you know, 
we could have a whole podcast on how you can't achieve that kind of lifestyle if you're at work right now. If you're making, if somebody's paying you thirty, forty, fifty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year, you can never achieve the lifestyle that Ryan lives, where he can just pick up and go d- ditch out to AC, go ditch out to uh, Boston uh, a, a day early, dip back through Vegas, dip back through uh, hometown. You know what I mean? The only way you do that is by not working. We had some tough times. We, we worked extremely hard, had to learn a lot of different things, uh, had to build up a lot of skills. But once you get those skills, it's, it's, like, it's like Dr. Dre is still getting paid for songs he wrote back in 1988. And, you know, chances are a lot of you have a job where you're not getting paid anymore for the work you did last year. So um, it's a mindset. And if you're young, you know, you need to get in that mindset early and often. Um, that would be my advice. But that so that would be my little closing little. We give out way too much. Wow, way too man, much. This is great. Free. This God, would be would... like $100. I mean, we're not even going into detail. People realize if you paid me $150, $200 an hour, I'd, I'd lay it out for you step by step. But like I said, I, I oh. don't know how many people. You then have to pay me another $100 an hour to motivate you to get all the work done that would be required in the whole thing. So. Um, but Hey, take it as motivation. You can go back and look at the shows. They're all posted on our website, all out there uh, on iTunes and, and whatnot. Um, you can go back through the years. Um, it seems to keep rolling on and you, you know, you got to have a focus on that. We're definitely blessed and lucky in a lot of respects, but in a lot of respects, um, you know, we're grinding it out on, on our own, uh, to create some of that, uh, good fortune. So hopefully, Everybody out there listening is experiencing some uh, good fortune themselves. And uh, maybe you're at the national. Maybe you're planning on going uh, in the future. Um, and we act like we're balling. The thing is, is like you don't have to make a lot of money when you don't when, when you don't have a work, when you don't have to commute and you don't have to do this stuff. Uh, it's amazing how how much less money you really have to make per month. Um, or how much you're, 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 and and if you invest your money and save your money, it can fluctuate, you know, you can have some bad months. You can have a bad year. Um, I don't know how many breakers, how many breakers, how many rip and flippers can have a bad year or have a bad season. So we're telling you this to kind of help the, help the, you know, some of you guys, uh, this is it. Uh, you know, I consider this kind of an industry podcast, not necessarily the, the, the guys looking for, for, you know, what 1951 said is is the most uh rare condition wise you know what i mean we're not going to talk about that kind of stuff on this show so if you want to stay in this industry hey you got to branch out you got to uh you got to push your push yourself a little bit i know you've done that um and we've both done that over the years and we're still we're still here unlike a lot of like you said a lot of the haters a lot of the guys that uh said they were going to sue over the years (laughs) <laughs> still, still where are you guys still at waiting. still waiting man where are you guys at and that's what's funny yeah and it's all, all i i haven't even mentioned that i have like the world's most popular beanie babies website it has like 20 20 million views and like four thousand comments 200 comments that i haven't even responded to Two thousand comments that i haven't responded to it gets so much traffic. I've been on Buzzfeed. I've been on the MLB website. You guys, and I, it has a hundred posts, and I wrote them two years, and I did them all two years ago. 
Um, and I've made, I've made, I'm going to make when it's all said and done well into the six figures off beanie babies guys. Cause I read a couple books, $2 books on Amazon. I, I, I can't even explain when I see these guys grinding and I see them and it's like, I know how much I make how much when it's all said and done how much it's how much how much time i'm gonna you i mean it's it's a hundred post website and it has 10 million it has uh what 20 i think i'm at 20 million views four thousand comments two thousand comments that i haven't gotten to and haven't just haven't 